we should be streaming now, but we usually get a little bit of delay before we know if we're streaming or not. But I'm sure. going to check here. If anybody shows up on the live chat, please let us know. I, oh, I think it's, I see it working. Let me just okay. check if the audio is there. All right, say something. Bismillah, bismillah. All right, okay. Let me see. There's a delay. Okay, good. Everything is perfect. Okay, hi. This is uh, so. This is Armin from Atheist Republic, and we are with Ismail Royer. All right. So, Ismail, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm an American. I uh, am from St. Louis, Missouri. I was born and raised there, and I converted to Islam in 1992 when I was 19 years old. Oh, and, uh, and so wait, you converted to Islam out of what? Um, well, I was raised a Catholic, um, went to Catholic schools. Um, when I was about 13 years old, I started getting into the punk rock movement. And this was about 1986 or 1987. And um, I eventually uh, became an atheist after listening mainly to a lot of leftists, punk rock, um, you know, music and getting into that uh, activist scene. And I was an atheist for many years as I was deeply involved in the leftist, um, left-wing uh, activism and politics. And uh, by the time I was um, 18, I, I started feeling like I was not happy being an atheist. I, I didn't feel... Uh, I felt I felt empty and I felt um, somewhat uh, alienated. Uh, I felt somewhat um, alone in the universe. I felt, um, you know, at that time, the Soviet Union had just collapsed. Um, so it was sort of like, here's this ideology, even though I wasn't a communist, but there was this ideology that, you know, millions and million, millions of people believed in to be, you know, the the absolute gospel truth. And it turned out to be you know, a lie and uh, an illusion. And so I think that that also contributed to my search for some kind of truth. Um, right. Yeah. So wait, uh, you went from Catholic to atheism and then from atheism to Islam, right? Yes. So, so we, correct, I'm yeah. going to ask you a little bit more about how, what convinced you of each one of those. But before we do that, there's actually a lot more to you and your story. Like you're being kind of humble right now. Like you did, you have done a lot. Um, do you have, like, can you tell us a little bit about your work against, so you, did you become a radical Muslim and then step out of that and then fought against radical Islam? Is that, is that part of your story as well? Can you give us some details on that? Well, um, so Shortly after I became, uh, after I converted to Islam, this was 1992. So this was um, when the um, war in Yugoslavia um, started. And um, we started getting these Bosnian refugees coming into St. Louis. And um, as a new Muslim, I was active at the mosque and was helping at the mosque to resettle these refugees that were coming into St. Louis. Um, and there were, you know, St. Louis turned out to be one of the major cities that these refugees were resettled in. So I became very steeped in their culture and even learned uh, their, uh, their language to some extent while I was in St. Louis. And I 
at the same time, you know, I was um, still interested. I was interested in the war in Afghanistan because at that time, obviously, this is uh, we're talking about the uh, the aftermath of the Soviet uh, Soviet invasion and then um, withdrawal from Afghanistan. So this was '92. Um, you know, there was still a lot of uh, love and respect and honor for these um, Ar Afghan and Arab Mujahideen who had helped to expel the Soviets from Afghanistan. So when someone told me and I learned that there were actually Arab fighters in Bosnia and that people could go and volunteer there, I said, oh, well, yeah, this is something I want to do. It, you know, I, I think what happened is that I, I transitioned from being this activist uh, kind of leftist, when I when I became a Muslim, I was still in that mode. And I was also still very young. And I was very upset. I, I went from being very upset about the Gulf War, um, the first Gulf War, I went from being very upset about racism and the Rodney King um, beatings. Um, and that, you know, and protesting against, you know, US policy in Central America, to now, I'm, you know, I'm mad about the war in Bosnia. And Frankly, it was it, it actually was something legitimate um, to be angry about and to be concerned about. But, you know, in my activist mode, you know, my default was, oh, well, I have to do something about this. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And yeah. what did so, you? Yeah, go ahead. Well, what I did was I um, I got some contact information from one of uh, the families in St. Louis for their family who was living in Slovenia. And um, Slovenia was a former republic of. Um, Yugoslavia, uh, somewhat near Bosnia, very close to Bosnia. So um, I flew to uh, Turkey, and um, I, that was kind of a detour. I, that's sort of an, another side story, interesting story, what I was doing in Turkey. But anyway, it had nothing to do with the war in Bosnia. And then I, I, I went to uh, Slovenia, and from Slovenia, I met up with my contacts there and then took the bus from Slovenia to Bosnia. And I had no idea how I was going to join up with the Arab fighters in Bosnia. But um, what I did was I just took the bus in, in, into, a, into a city, into a town in Bosnia called Traunik. And that's where the bus happened to stop. And it was funny because as the bus is driving through this town, you know, and this is my first time in war. I'm not, I've never been in the military at that, had not been at that point. And, you know, it really had the worst, Kind of violence I'd ever been involved in was a fist fight when I got jumped at a Taco Bell, you know. So, so uh, here I'm like, you know, there's there's shelling going on, and and as the bus pulls up, you know, Bosnia is a very beautiful place, but this was a besieged town. So, you know, there are these like little European cottages. There's this Ottoman, you know, these Ottoman, um, you know, forts and uh, mosques around me. Excuse me. And then I'm seeing, and you know, and everyone there is European. And then I'm seeing these. Arabs walking around with Kalashnikovs dressed as dressed in Afghan clothes, you know, and and it was just really exotic to me. So I, I got off uh, the bus, and the bus driver took me to. He knew what I was, uh, where what I where I wanted to go. I, at that time, my language wasn't very good, and he took me to the uh, headquarters of the Bosnian army in that town and said, "This guy wants to be in the army, and he's an American." So at that time, I didn't really speak English for. I mean, I didn't speak Bosnian very well. I, I knew a few words. I do now fluently, but at that time I didn't. And so the um, they put me, you know, the, when I got there, the Bosnian Army uh, Brigade uh, staff um, just had me sit in a room and they tried to figure out what, what to do with me. And I was alone in this room and they, this uh, girl came, no hijab. You know, I was expecting, you know, um, well, I wasn't really expecting, you know, 
you know, very, very practicing people because I knew the Bosnians in my town were, were sort of, most of them were, were fairly uh, distant from their religion. But um, anyway, so this woman comes into, the young woman comes into the room with fatigues on and short hair and, and no hijab or anything. And she says uh, in English, um, so what are you doing here in Bosnia? And I said, well, I'm here to uh, defend the uh, believers against the, uh, the disbelievers, you know? And she says, well, I'm Catholic, so you know, I, was, I said, "Oh my God, I'm, I'm so sorry." I said, "I didn't mean anything. Uh, I didn't mean anything personal by that." She says, "No, no, no, it's okay." But I will say that it's very interesting that um, you know people try to frame that war in terms of religion only, but in fact, there were a lot of um, uh, Christians on the side, Serbs and Croats, on the side of the Muslims uh, in Bosnia that were helping to defend Bosnia, and in fact. Um, not to get sidetracked, because there's a lot of different. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's fo let's focus yeah. on the beliefs rather yeah. than the apps. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so you participated in war. Yeah, I uh, I wound up. Uh, so the Bosnian army they sent me off to. Um, you know, if you were a foreigner and you were a Muslim, they would immediately automatically just send you to a brigade that was designed for that, and that was the. Um, the Jahideen groups, um, you know, that were made up of Arabs and Turks and, you know, people who had come from Europe and, and so on. And so I, jo I joined them and uh, they, I, I received uh, infantry training. This wasn't Al-Qaeda or ISIS or something where, you know, um, they're training in some sort of terrorism. This was actually um, infantry war, you know. So, yeah. so this was legit jih jihad. Right? Yes, that's right. This was much more similar to just the sort of okay. uh, jihad that happened in Afghanistan in the first one. So did you, did, you, did you kill anyone? Uh, I can't, I don't know if I did or not, but I was in several battles. So basically, my role was that I was uh, put on the front lines and just told to, um, if anyone tries to attack, uh, you know, f shoot back. And they did. The Serbs did try, um, you know, uh, to several times to take the area that we were in and we just uh shot back at them and had to basically had to put up with a lot of um fire a lot of gunfire a lot of uh, definitely a lot of mortars and shelling and um but i was never in any operations that were to seize land but i was uh, part of groups that once land had been seized then they put us there to hold it while the Serbs tried to take it back so that's that's the role I I played in. in so how how are you a free man now, right? Like when you go back to US, wouldn't they be like you commit? Is that was that not considered like a terrorism or anything like that? No, 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 not at all. Because um, well, first of all, as people know, the Bosnian War ended when um, the United States um, essentially started bombing uh, and NATO started bombing the Serbs to get them to 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 stop fighting. And that, along with a simultaneous, simultaneously um, attack, uh, simultaneous attack by the Bosnian army and the Croat army, um, essentially brought the, the Serbs to the negotiating table. So, um, you know, I was on the same side as the United States, and I didn't mm. see myself as being anti-American at all. And when I came back um, into uh, America after the war ended, and I was there um, in Sarajevo while while uh, U.S. Um, you know, uh, war plane, uh, ships were bombing um, the Serbs around Sarajevo and I watched them flying overhead and dropping bombs on, on the Serbs. So, 
Anyway, as I, I came back to the United States, they never, no one never said anything to me. But uh, did you become anti-American ever or after? Well, it's it's um, it's it's somewhat of a you know journey, but to put it into a into a short uh, terms, um, I after I came back from Bosnia, I think I I had a hard time adjusting to um, normal life because I I had come back from a war zone, and I came back tried to go back to college. It was very difficult to go back to college and to listen to professors talk about um you know uh you know poetry and so on and so on when i'm i had just literally like weeks before been you know <laughs> being bombarded by you know serb um you know mortars so um i had a hard time but i will say as well that that type of life and existence it had it, it's it's so charged with um meaning and adventure and camaraderie and danger that it's very hard to decompress from that and i think that that's a common experience for many people who come back from war so i was constantly looking for uh to renew that you know and um when the war in uh, uh chechnya started i decided i would go off the second war in chechnya i would go i decided i would go to chechnya this was 1999 and um, I somehow or another, instead of going to Chechnya, I wound up in Pakistan with a Kashmiri, uh, Pakistan-based Kashmiri group called Lashkari Tayyiba, which is a very notorious uh, group. And I decided at that time that I would um, decide, I, I wouldn't go to Chechnya, but I, that I would help this group in their war against India. So that's how I end up. Uh, that's what, why I, what makes I you up. decide going to these, like, what's, what's your reasoning or desire to go fighting these wars well for me it was um i want to help the muslims in areas where they're besieged and to me the way i saw kashmir um was as a place that was under indian occupation and um you know of course the reality now that i'm older the reality is much more complicated and um you know one of the main you know one of the big problems you see from these um western muslims or whatever going off to fight in these areas like for example uh the famous case of omar hamami who went off uh, joined al shabaab to become a, even a spokesperson for them and then he winds up getting killed after he finds out that these people are actually you know um dangerous uh lunatics um you know so i i, I went off to this situation thinking that i could help. And in fact, I was so naive that I wound up being used um, by this group as uh, for my uh, for my qualities of being an American English speaker. And I came back and um, started recruiting um, to send people to Kashmir to train for Lashkar Tayyiba. And I started their internet newsletter. I, it, this was, you know, 2000. So it was like very rudimentary, but Right, but 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 is the understanding is that one side is Muslim, the other side is not. So obviously, the Muslim side is the good side, and the non-Muslim side is the one we should be fighting for uh, against. Well, right? Yeah, is, that, yeah. is, is that how it works? Like always? It, yeah, yeah. No, it, it wasn't that because I I definitely believed that there were cases where Muslims were wrong. So, for example, yeah. I was I was very against the. 97 attacks on the U.S. Embassy. I was very much against, um, well, the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993. I was very against, um, you know, uh, these types of attacks where uh, civilians and innocent people are being killed. And I um, looked at it as if these people were kind of like, um, you know, fringe uh, nuts because 
I had not experienced those uh, kinds of people in Bosnia. The people I was with in Bosnia, really, most of them had come from Afghanistan directly. So, you know, the first war in Afghanistan. So these these were people who like, you know, people who understand the the um, the history of the jihadi movement, um, uh, the contemporary jihadi movement, understand that you had uh, different strands and you had an evolution of these uh, of this ideology so that Back in you know the early '90s, this um, you know the the Ayman the Wahiri Al Qaeda Osama bin Laden type of ideology actually was a, a minority among this. Um, you know, back then the idea was where Muslims are being besieged, where Muslims are being oppressed, um, or where, where Muslims are under attack, we'll go there and we'll help defend them. So that's how I saw Kashmir. That's how I saw Chechnya. That's how I saw Bosnia. Mm. And yeah, that's so. So here's the thing. Why? Um... Why would you care about, as a Muslim, why would you care about Muslims being oppressed more than other people being oppressed? Well, certainly, uh, it's not that I didn't care about other people being oppressed, because I, I was against all kinds of oppression, but I uh, had a, you know, a particular concern for Muslims because I myself was uh, a Muslim, you know, am a Muslim. So um, I, I don't think it's... Um, I don't think it's unusual that, uh, you know, for your own uh, co-religionists that you feel some um, heightened uh, sense of... Um, Isn't that a bit know, tribal, though? It is tribal. Certainly it's tribal. Yeah, certainly it's tribal. I mean, you can look at the United States and how they, um, you know, and their, the foreign policy of the United States has been to uh, ally more closely with uh, uh, democracies, for example, uh, France, and and not not simply as a matter of interest, but uh, as a matter of uh, you know uh, affinity. You know. So it's not a, you. It's not a religious duty that you think you had. Like it's not based on uh, responding to call to jihad. It's actually based on oppression, or is that? It's not. Don't you think? Doesn't your religious belief have much more to do with it? I'm, no, it, it, no, it cer certainly had a, a lot to do with it because the uh, as part of the religion, um, you're supposed to stand for the people who are being oppressed. And, you know, in the hierarchy of or priorities of people who are being oppressed, as a Muslim, you prioritize helping the Muslims who are oppressed. But it doesn't mean um, that you don't care about other people, you know, but that... Um, but yeah, no, it, 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 those are not contradictory. Your point that you make is exactly valid, which is that, um, yes, uh, yeah. the, the go, responding to the, the cry of the oppressed Muslim to me was something that um, was a draw, but I mean, which was what I was drawn to for sure. Right. And, and you mentioned to that woman as well that you are here to fight Right. unbelievers right yeah. and w so are you still trying to fight unbelievers to defend Muslim? no uh, no in fact i like actually at, <laughs> that state that uh interaction with the catholic uh bosnian soldier was um i think let me put it to you this way i have had a, a series of experiences in my life that um eventually added up to um later changed my view of the world and uh, uh, the view of what I, um, what I was, my thinking, my way of thinking. So, um, for example, when she, she told me that, it was like, huh, you know, one of those, you know, things like, okay, maybe I'm seeing the world too simplistically. Maybe I'm seeing the world, 
you know, too black and white. And then later I had, um, you know, about a week later, there was a Bosnian soldier who was ethnically, because this is how they see religion in, in, in the Balkans, ethnically he was a Muslim in the sense that his parents were Muslim. And, he, you know, but he himself, he said he didn't really believe in God at all. But, um, you know, he's, he, he said, um, he took me on a tour of the, the town of Tronic. And he says, do you see this um, monument here that we're in the town square and there was like a big monument um, you know, and he says this this uh, uh, this uh, monument is to a Serb general who was fighting for the Bosnian army, and he was killed fighting against the extremist Serbs who were trying to destroy Bosnia. So he's like, so do you see this is kind of a lesson f- for you as to what this is all about here? And also, by the way, so I'm I, you know, before I went to Bosnia, I had this sort of like Salafi outlook, and then I'm I'm um, mostly with a lot of Sufis, you know, a lot, most of the Bosnians are Sufis. So I'm like meeting these Sufis and I'm like, okay, well, so maybe I've got some, you know, uh, two uh, black and white ways of looking at the world. Now I won't, uh, you know, those types of experiences did not add up to influence me until years later, you know, and years later I looked back and reflected and I was like, you know, um, you know, I'm really looking at this the wrong way. I mean, and I'll give you another example of something that, um, you know, made me uh, change my way of thinking was when Lashkar Tayyiba attacked Mumbai and, you know, they carried out this horrible atrocity. Well, before that, I was all, you know, I, I was sympathetic to Lashkar Tayyiba, even after I was, as I'll explain to the listeners, even after I was arrested um, for supporting Lashkar Tayyiba, I still in my mind was thinking, well, but, you know, they, they're, you know, they're just fighting Indian occupation and this is sort of overkill from the government and, and locking me up. But, you know, but then they go and they carry out this attack and they, they had told me that they were, they were against this type of thing on a religious basis. They were against attacking civilians. Well, here they went and carried out one of the worst atrocities um, that have ever been carried out in the name of Islam in the, in the contemporary times. So that it may be just, I felt like I had been betrayed and I had gone to prison to help these people and they did um this act that that i totally was against yeah. why were you against it isn't it justify religiously no absolutely not uh absolutely not you can't just uh what these people did was they took military weapons and went into train stations they went into restaurants they went into a uh, a synagogue a jewish prayer hall um and which is forbidden in Islam to attack religious people. So to me, what the what Lashkar Tayyibah did in Mumbai was an absolute well, no, uh, not disgrace. Forbidden you know? to kill Ahlul Kitab, not all religious people. No, it's for it's forbidden to but, kill people who are not fighting, you know, and what they what these people did was they went and they killed people who were sitting having tea hmm. with military weapons. To me, that's uh, cowardice. You know, to me, that's uh, it's unmanly to me. It's a disgrace to me. It's violating what our religion uh, teaches. What, so, so you were yeah. Salafi and then you weren't, right? Uh, yeah. So going, if you going back, like what are, what are the mis- some mistakes you made, and yeah. what what do you think changed your mind that made you think that these, these you shouldn't have done those? So as I mentioned, there were a few uh, of these sort of incidents that sort of lodged in my mind, and later as I look back and reflected, but. The big incident that changed uh, my way of thinking was um, 9-11. And 
9-11, I was, you know, working in Washington, D.C. at the time, and, you know, I passing by the, uh, the Pentagon every day, um, and when 9-11 happened, first of all, I was, it, I was traumatized by it because it was such a, a terrible, um, a terrible, to me, I mean, a terrible disgrace uh, to the name of Islam, and um, I was at that time part of a group of young men uh, in the Washington D.C. area who used to get together to play paintball, um, to go hiking and hunting. And um, in this group of people, I was using this group of people as a pool of recruits to send them to go off to um, join Lashkar Taiba or to train with them. And um, because again, I, I have to say that this was part of my idea of I'm supporting Muslims who are oppressed or whatever. And I didn't have in my mind that I was against the United States. Well, when 9-11 happened, one of the people that I had sent over actually happened to be in Kashmir at that time, um, training when 9-11 happens. So, you know, we were, you know, I was kind of, I was panicking. I was against the attacks, but at the same time, I'm feeling now like kind of, uh, you know, what side am I, am I on? You know what I mean? There's sort of like a dual loyalty thing going on because in my mind, the way that, okay, when you're living in a way, when you're living a life that sees the world as divided up into two um, uh, eternally competing uh, sides, okay, the believers and the unbelievers, and when you are, um, even if you can like sort of like square the circle and say to yourself, well, okay, I'm an American, I'm living peacefully and, 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 and so you on. You mean like Darul Harb and Darul Islam. Right, yeah. right. And, and if you say, to your, you know, like, so being an American, I didn't see myself as being in conflict with the United States. Right? I had a lot of obviously disagreement with many of the things the United States government did, but I, I didn't see myself in, in conflict. But when something like 9-11 happens, uh, it's a test for you to say, like, you know, to, to now, now, if that's your mentality and something nine, like 9-11 happens, even if you don't agree with 9-11, even if you don't agree with um, the, um, uh, uh, even if you don't agree with that, now you're being almost put into a position to decide what are you going to do? And so I had a, um, we had a, a group meeting and we got together and discussed what we, uh, this was like three days after 9-11. And a local scholar came and um, talked to us and gave us some advice in this private meeting at our friend's house. And he said, um, you know, uh, look, it, uh, it doesn't matter whether you agree with 9-11 or not. Um, what matters is that it happens. And now you see um, the world dividing up between the Muslims over here and the non-Muslims over here are, are, arranging, are arranging their forces against the Muslims. So even if you don't like um, Al-Qaeda, even if you didn't agree with 9-11, you know, the real question is, which side are you going to be on? You might not agree with um, Al-Qaeda, but they're with their Muslims, at least, you know, so you're going to have to um, decide what side you're on. Wait, well, who was telling you this? Uh, this was a, a local scholar. I'd rather not um, get oh. into that. But anyway, um, an American Muslim scholar. Yeah, yeah, he was. I, I, don't want to say, I mean, he, he yeah. got... He's in prison now, so for this Good. actual meeting. So, <laughs> well, right. you know. So yeah. anyway, so. But, uh, but um, you did I mean, you, look, did you look, agree? Did you agree with him at that point? Sorry, like well, what were your that, yeah? Yeah, at that time. And by the way, you said good. I, I think that um, <laughs> I, I think whether whether someone gets a life in prison is uh, it's questionable whether someone deserves 
life uh, for that kind of thing. But it, clearly, it was it was wrong what he said. And uh, no, but at the time, I it, I suddenly felt, oh, okay, well now it's clarified to me. Now, okay, I don't like 9/11, but you know, I do want to be with the Muslims. You know, I do want to. You know, I don't want to be against the Muslims. You know, so his advice was everyone needs to. He didn't say like go join Al Qaeda. He just said. You know, my advice to you, to the, to you guys is if you can, if you can, then leave the United States. And so after the meeting, um, the, the, the friends who were there, they came to me and they said, hey, can you help us get to uh, Pakistan? Can you help us go join Lashkar Taiba? And so I said, yeah, let's let's go. And so I went to the phone and uh, went to a pay phone and called and said, yeah, these guys want to want to come join you. And um, they said, OK, send them. So uh, it's about uh, five of those guys went off and I left the United States as well. I went to Bosnia and those guys went to Pakistan um, intending to join Lashkar Taiba. So they went off. I went off after about, well, this is the point that I was driving at is that as I, when I got to Bosnia and I got off the plane and I um, took the bus to uh, my wife's uh, city, at the, my wife at that time, um, my ex-wife, my then wife uh, was Bosnian, and um, I flew to her to her town. And this town was where I had been in the war, and I had a lot of friends there and a lot of uh, support there. So I went to this town, and that's where I was going to try to make my new life. And as I got yeah. off the bus, yeah, wait, so as I we, got ju off the we jumped back to history, right? Yeah. Like we, this yeah. is way before when what we were just talking about, right? Like. No, yeah. no, no. This is after 9-11, but okay. I, I, I had a, I, I had a lot of support and, and a lot of friends in Bosnia from, you know, oh. the time of the war, you know. So OK, that's so you I went back again. to Bosnia again. OK, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. In, in responding to the advice of this um, guy to uh, for us to leave the United States and go to the Muslim world. So as I got off the bus, I immediately the first people that I saw were two um, friends who had been high level um, uh, officials in the um, Mujahideen Brigade during the war in Bosnia. They were Bosnians, but they were high-level officials um, connected to the Arabs who had been there at that time. So I, they were close friends of mine, and they were people that I closely, I very much respected and admired. Um, so they said to me, Ismail, what are you doing in Bosnia? You know, it was like three, it was, at that point, it was about three weeks after 9-11, and they were surprised to see me. And I said, well, you know, uh, we may not like uh, the 9-11 attacks, but, you know, we have to decide what side we're on. And so I decided to come here and be with the Muslims. So they looked at each other and, like, rolled their eyes. And uh, they said, uh, hey, look, it's my, let's go have coffee, you know, and talk. So I was like, okay, you know, so we went and talked. And they told me, first of all, they said, look, 9-11 um, um, was evil, and what these people did, these guys didn't ask us in Bosnia if this was going to be good for the Muslims in Bosnia. They just went off and did this from their, you know, caves in Afghanistan, um, you know, and, and thought that it was a good idea. But they didn't they didn't ask us. And also, he, they said, they said, look, if I the brother said, he said, if I robbed the bank and then the police surrounded it and I called you and said, Ismail, I need you to come help me out. And the police are surrounding the bank. You know, what would you say? And I'd say, why well, you were crazy. And he said, exactly. He said, that's this people, these people's situation. So these people, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, they made their bed. They need to lie in it. They need to deal with the consequences. This has nothing to do with you. And also one of them made this point. He said, so is the Shaykh who told you this going to go as well? Is he going to leave the United States too? 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> what was funny about that was like in my mind, I was like, oh, man, you know, no, because actually he, what he was doing was he was back in the United States finishing his Ph.D., you know. Mm-hmm. So um, here I am. I dropped everything. There's all, all of us five dropped everything and we left. And um, I, I basically was a fool. And the reason I was open to this um, type of, uh, let's say, like manipulation and foolish judgment is because of the mentality that I had of us versus them, you know, and it's a, that's a very dangerous mentality, the, what's called which is a real thing in Islam. It means like loyalty to the Muslims and bara, which means like disassociation or disloyalty to non-Muslims. And this is Islamic. Well, yeah, this is part well of it's, it's a, there, there is something like this in Islam, but it has been, uh, distorted and manipulated and um, uh, exaggerated by the, uh, you know, by uh, the, the extremists. And in reality, what 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 what, but, I, but, what yeah, really means? But I want really to continue means. your story, though. I don't want to get too yeah, much into okay. yeah, theology sure, sure. right now. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah. anyway, um, you know, I, I'm now at this point. I'm sitting in Bosnia. I, I had brought my wife and my kids to Bosnia, and um, you know, I was feeling like an idiot. You know, and I was. I stayed there for, I stayed in Bosnia for um, about eight months or so until I uh, realized that, you know, I, I should go back home to America. So I came back to America. So you didn't I, do uh, any fighting before you? No, were, no, 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 right. no. I just, I just, actually what I was doing there was. Uh, so you, that's very, you got lucky with those guys because this time around, if you did any fighting, then you, now you would be on a terrorist list right now, wouldn't you? Be? Well, that that's precisely right. right. And um, well, as it happens, when I came back to the United States, um, I came back to the United States in April, 2002. And um, I started a website that was against um, extremism called a true word.com. Hmm. Um, the, 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 the name a true word comes from a hadith that the prophet, um, sallallahu alayhi peace be upon him, he said, um, the best jihad is a true word against an unjust ruler. So I called this, we, myself and a couple of my friends, we called this website a true word.com. And we wrote um, against um extremism on the one hand, but we also were um, writing um, to promote what we saw as actually like the true Islam. Uh, and um, the, as we saw it, and as I continue to see it, the true Islam actually intends good for everyone, um, you know, and is not uh, divided into this um, sort of uh, hostile camps. Um, you right. know. So here's a question. Do you, what do you, um, how do you respond to the claim that uh, the appeal of these uh, terrorist groups or any other militant Islamic group, um, it's mostly political and it's not Islam that is responsible for making people join these groups. It's just political and has nothing to do with Islam. Do you think Islam is somehow responsible for getting somebody like you, um, you know, consider joining groups like this? I think this is an excellent question. Um, this is, this is, um, you know, my answer to that, and I've done a lot of thinking and writing on this um, issue. My answer to that is that there are uh, concepts in Islam that if seen in isolation um, and taken out of context and uh, exaggerated 
and they and and if if that if those concepts are taken and all the other balancing elements are eliminated then what you wind up with is you wind up with something that is called Islam and looks like um, it is is derived from Islam, but in reality it's um, uh, it's a deformed uh, version of Islam. So I what I believe is that um, this uh, uh, you know and, and you can take any ISIS magazine and I've studied ISIS's uh, writings a great deal and Al Qaeda writings mm -hmm. and. The, the 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 people who the uh, whose thought those things are based on like Sayyid Qutb and um, others. Uh, I mean, Qutb knew his knew his shit, right? No, but see, but see, these people um, these people had uh, ideas that were um, in, in many cases foreign uh, to the religion or misunderstandings of the religion. And what happens is that um, these these ideas. When you take them in, again, when you take them in isolation and you exaggerate them and you separate them from the other balancing elements, you wind up with uh, something very poisonous. So, um, so yeah. two things. Uh, first, um, you know, as a, as a former Muslim myself, when I read the Quran, nobody uh, told me that these verses um, tell you that we need to go in, to war, right? Right, right. Um, I read them, and to me, it seems like we need to start going to war with non-believers, right? Uh, and this wasn't based on some people. Like, I read them cover to cover. I read the stories. I read Muhammad's stories. It right. seemed like it's basically, to me, it seemed like it was suggesting that, yeah, we need to go war with the Kafirons and uh, anybody that is against Allah in any way. Uh, well, and you, you, but, but but just, just when I mm -hmm. when I'm in Iran and I'm reading uh, the Quran and Hadith and the Tafsir and everything else, not not yeah. just like in isolation, with the context, right. with the story, with the commentary, with all mm -hmm. of that. To me, it seems like it's that our like our government, as much as people other people think like it's very as too authoritarian and too aggressive. Right. It, to, it to me, it seems like it's not aggressive enough. According, accord, it's not, it's not being Islamic enough. Like it seemed like, why are we not, not, why is this government? This it, it seems like it says it's an Islamic republic, but it needs to be even more aggressive based on what I'm reading in the Quran and Hadith. And this is not based on, and this is me just reading this book, reading the Hadith. This is not based on some alt right. Uh, groups trying to misrepresent some Islam, quote unquote, Islamophobes, uh, which is a term I don't like, but we could get into that later. Um, uh, trying to misrepresent to Islam to me. This is me just reading the Quran and the Hadith, right? And um, like I remember in Iran, for example, I remember in in a private uh, religion class that we had for university interest preparation exam i remember for example there was we were going over some verses in the quran and this girl just starts crying right and mm -hmm. just because of reading the verses in the quran about a woman right uh, and this is not this this is a we are again we are not in an environment that is meant to brainwash us to say islam is anti-woman this is a environment that we are we are brainwashed to say islam is pro-woman Right? right, that the that the heaven is under underneath of uh, the mother's feet and all that stuff. Right, yet right. when we read when she's reading the Quran, as she starts crying based on how how she thinks the Quran is uh, talking about women. So, 
either these um so for, i mean you were a muslim and you were going reading these verses and at some point you were convinced that this is the right thing to do right i mean don't does, doesn't the text uh, hold some responsibility don't you think it has some hold some responsibility for advocating these kind of belief systems or you think it's completely everything is completely separate from islam anybody doing anything uh, like this, uh, anybody being anti-woman, anybody being uh, committing violence unjustly in the name of Islam, there's nothing within the text or scripture or the hadith that is at all responsible for this. They're completely misrepresenting Islam, all of them. No, what I what I believe is that um, so there, the Prophet Muhammad said he said um, he said uh, you do not excuse me. This is one of the, his companions. He said, um, if you relate... Which companion? Uh, he, Do you know? Uh, I believe it was Ibn Mas'ud, I believe. He okay. said, he said, he said you, just a rough translation, he said, um, you, he said, you can relate a hadith or a statement or some discourse to someone whose mind cannot handle it, and then it will wind up being a fitna for them, meaning a trial and a test for them. Okay, right. so so there's there there are so many. Th this different is a, this versions. is a very this is a very Salafi thing to to refer to companions rather like the companion the people that lived with during the time of Muhammad right, they were right. seen as the most trustworthy people to refer to right but most but but just let's go to the directly to the source to the both to the Hadith and the Quran right if you read those I mean. For example, right? Let's say the verses that say we must fight all kafirun, right? So the excuses right. for that was like, okay, this was just at that specific war at that time. This right. was an armed battle. This is not, uh, this is not referring to that we should always fight kafirun, you know. But but I mean, to the example I give to that, I mean, there's so many examples. I mean, you could go over every single one of them. I mean, the wife beating, the capturing woman in war. Uh, you know, the the crucifying people that spread corruption on earth. I mean, I'm spreading corruption on earth, right? This is the verse that is telling you that uh, if you kill one... So you Muslims a lot of time talk about context and us taking things out of context, but then they always, for example, mention the verse that says killing one person is like killing all humankind, and they don't mention the verse right after that it says that you're supposed to... Cru oh, even Obama quoted that, remember? But they don't mention the verse after that says that you're supposed to crucify people that spread corruption on earth. And by by I think I'm basically according to Islam, I'm spreading corruption on earth more than more most people. Uh, so I should be crucified according to the Quran. And I mean, with regards to the verses that says that you should be killing, imagine like if imagine if there was a, uh, some enemies that we were attacking, uh, and they, you know, we're not attacking them because they're Jewish, but they just happen to be Jew, right? Just happen to be Jew, right? So for this is the excuse people get for attacking the kafirun. It's not like it, Muhammad is not saying kill all unbelievers. These people that they're attacking, they happen to be unbelievers. But imagine if this general said like, we must kill the Jews. Like you would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What kind of language is that? You're like, no, but well, those people are Jews. Yeah, well, yeah, but this is, first of all, if you say we must attack the Jews, it's, it seems to me that we're attacking them because they're Jews. One. Second of all, if you know that your word is now going to be written somewhere and it's going to be used as a model to follow for all 
humans at all time, maybe st don't say stuff like, we must attack all the Jews, right? We must defeat the Jews. Maybe say something like, we must defeat these people at this village at this time because they attacked us before, just like, and they took our stuff, right? So maybe don't refer to them like that. So when my, when, my, when the Quran says, like, we must defeat all the kafirons and everything, the, now, and this is a book that is supposed to be used as a role model for all time, I'm included in that. Like, I'm I'm the kafirun. I'm the kafir here. I'm the molehead. I'm the mortad. I'm the kafir. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all of those things, right? And... Don't you think there these? I mean, we. You know how we that when we go on Twitter and some people use a phrase in a way that might be inter, might be interpreted. Sir. No, that's okay. Might be yeah. interpreted in a way that people will be like. Maybe if you didn't mean that, maybe be more careful about your wording. Like imagine the, the text in the Quran is so aggressive against large groups of people. That the, the amount of excuses that we find that a lot of apologists find for it would never be accepted in any for other form. I mean, I, the best you could say, if all of the stuff that I'm reading in the Quran, they're not supposed to be anti-woman, they're not supposed to be violent, uh, then the, the, can they're not supposed to be promoting slavery, then we can at least admit that if none of that was meant to be there, then it was written very poorly. Right, but anyways, I I'll talk I talk too much. Can you go on? No, I, I wanted to let you um, say what you had to say. Okay. Um, so obviously, there's a lot of you know places uh, to begin um, with those things, but I think your underlying point. Um, look, let me say this: that I personally have arrived at my understanding of my religion, um, you know, through the book. Uh, uh, through the Quran and through the sayings of the Prophet and through um, the understanding of those texts um, that were that um, is given to me by um, the the qualified scholars. So it this isn't what I'm talking to you now about. I'm not talking to you about like to try to like uh, apologize, like like you said, like apolog apologetics or something. Right, like right, that. right. Okay. But what I'm I'm explaining to you, like sort of how I um, saw through my um, uh, my distorted understanding of the religion, and how I arrived at an understanding of my religion that doesn't put me in uh, you know con eternal conflict with um you know the ha the half of humanity that doesn't believe what i believe you know i i believe that um i definitely believe that those um who uh i i believe that uh, the, those who believe that there are many gods um other than god and they die and they didn't have an excuse for that belief i do believe that they're going to hell and i do believe that those who um uh, committed sins and even, you know, um, and so on. And they, they, you know, I, they, and they, they, they disbelieved in God and his oneness that they'll go to hell for that. But that doesn't mean that so, I can't live. I, that doesn't mean that I can't live in harmony and peace and cooperate for goodness. Um, and it doesn't mean that those who believe other than me don't have the right to uh, live and flourish and be uh, respected. So to me, this is what my religion teaches me. And all the verses that she mentioned in terms of, um, for example, uh, slave, uh, uh, disbeliever, wherever you find them and so on, 
Um, to me, the, the proper explanation of that is that's not just some way to make Islam look good. The proper explanation of that was given by actual classical scholars. And when I went back and read those scholars and I read what they actually had to say, and I saw that my understanding of my religion was actually coming from like a narrow, narrow little sliver of the actual um, you know, uh, teachings and the actual perspective um, you know, I, I, cha I changed my way of looking at things, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I believe that, um, that this um, religion, it teaches us, like the Prophet Muhammad said, um, God created uh, Adam in, in the image of the most merciful. The Prophet Muhammad said that, most merciful being um, God. And for that reason, he said, for example, if you're, if you're fighting with someone, then don't hit their face. Why? Because the, the, uh, the if you're fighting is, a Muslim, right? If you're fighting anyone, oh, okay. if you're fighting anyone, then then, uh, just, then just to be the clear, the amount of hadith that is out there is so yeah. much true, that I there's so there, I, like it's impossible not to find some good advice and a lot of ridiculous stuff out there as well. I well, mean, well, let me let me say let me I say mean, that um, one of the problems you you know this you know there's so much hadith that if I point to you know that are like some of them are like. I mean, at least most people will find batshit crazy. Like, you know what? I, which ones I'm referring to, right? Like, uh, well, let me say that. Let me say this: that it is um, a mistake for the Muslim, let alone the non-Muslim. It's a mistake for the Muslim to go grab a collection of hadith and just start reading it and, and trying to apply it. And you know, because first of all, he 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 has to have the correct understanding of that. You can't just take something. And uh, misapply it because every hadith has to be understood in the context of, of the Quran. It has to be under, understood in the context of the other hadith. So that's what they say. As that's why the people under, that disagree with you, Muslims that disagree with you, say as well. They say exact same thing. No, no, you're you're correct. The, uh, I've had this conversation with people where they'll say, "Oh, you're taking it out of context. You're saying where the Quran says there is no compulsion in religion." But you're taking out of context, out of context from from other things, you know. But um, what I say is that they're taking out of context, you know. <laughs> okay. You know, and so 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 so. But but here's the thing, I believe that my understanding of my religion mm. is more uh, is properly in line with the underlying goals and the underlying um, principles of this of of this religion. And so if you look at someone who says. Um, oh no! The the Quran says that we can blow up churches, and and the Hadith say we can blow up churches, and the scholars say we can blow up churches. For example, and I say, well, hold on a minute, but that's that's um, not in line with the underlying principles that this religion stands for, and so therefore that interpretation is wrong. Right. And so you can't tell me you're taking that out of I'm taking that out of context. You're taking that out of context. So so to me to me the the problem is that there's so much scripture and there's so much so there's some things that are very clear and some things that are only they're so vague. Uh, and just to be fair, there's a lot of clear parts there as well. But uh, that you could you could take whatever you want out of the religion like this. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. And and 
to me so, 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 so I'm sorry to interrupt there you know um, for example you're familiar with the the story of the Khawarij or the concept of the Khawarij yes they were they were that group that um, yeah Ali Mavia were in war and they were right, Ali right. side and the Ali betrayed them uh, they think Ali betrayed them so yeah they're the first, right so, yes I understand they're you think they're the ter first terrorists they're the ones that Isis follows but they don't right. they don't think that by themselves they, they think they're following the Rashidun. Of course they do because they're deluded by Satan. But that's what they say about you. Uh, but no, but, but but what I was trying to say was that so what what um, so when the Khawarij, uh, these people first came out and they declared um, Ali to be a disbeliever and they declared uh, Muawiyah to be a disbeliever, these these, um, you know, companions of the prophet and Ali being the cousin of the prophet. And so they waved a. Uh, um, uh, a verse of the Quran, you know, they said this verse. They said, "Who, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, whoever judges by other than uh, God, then he is, you know, he is a disbeliever or whatever." You know, so so tech Ali said, they started tech freeing people, right? So Ali said, Ali said this. Ali said, uh, "A word of truth in the service of falsehood." So this is a very important concept, which is that you can take. Any verse from the Quran, I mean, for example, there's one place in the Quran where it says that um, the the disbelievers on the day of judgment will will uh, ha have blue eyes, you know, be blue eyed, you know, is what it like says literally. So the Nation of Islam, which is a group that is um, a heretical sect, they say, oh, see, that means that white people are the devils, you know, white people are evil. But they they're mis they're misinterpreting it. They're taking that out of context. All this is to say, this, all this is to, all this is to say hmm. that someone can preserve their religion and preserve their understanding, and not wind up in some sort of satanic sect that has uh, broken off and that is causing uh, that is basically the, the enemy of the Muslims, hmm. the enemy and the enemy of all of humanity, as ISIS and Al Qaeda are, for example. Someone can avoid that by taking their religion from qualified scholars and not by going off and trying to interpret the uh, religion themselves with, by grabbing hadith uh, by themselves or and not by following people who are by consensus um, uh, a deviant group. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a chicken and egg problem because a lot of Muslims think, say that they're looking at the scripture and the uh, and the hadith, and they're coming to the conclusion that this is how the way they're supposed to live. But to me, it seems like it's the other way around. The Muslims and other religious people they come to the conclusion that this is how they're supposed to live, and then mm -hmm. they go to scripture and they try to find the justification with the, with their newfound belief system, right? Okay. So, so it seems brilliant, brilliant, brilliant point. Brilliant. Let me just let me just stop you right there because I want to say that I actually agree with you and in in a sense and where i um uh where i stopped in my story is a good place to 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 restart which okay. is that after i came back to the united states and you know i mentioned that i started this website that was trying to promote um you know the the you know the a, a healthy ver uh, understanding of this religion and this and the sound understanding of this religion well i was arrested about a year and a half after coming back to the united states the fbi had investigated why did this group of young men go off to, um, you know, to Pakistan? I mean, what the heck is going on here? And so um, I was arrested. I was charged with um, trying to support, uh, support uh, uh, Al-Qaeda, trying to support By the FBI? Taliban. You were? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. I, was, I was charged in 2003. And 
Um, I was charged with treason against the United States for um, for attempting to support uh, Al Qaeda and so on. And um, I uh, was charged with so many different charges that I would have gone to prison for life if I had been convicted of all of those. So I pleaded guilty to two um, weapons charges and um, I was sentenced to 20 years in prison. That's in 2003. So I was released um, uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, I, did, I, I was in prison for 13 and a half years. And in, those, in that time, I was in prison with um, people, mostly with people of other terrorism-related uh, cases, because they kept us, uh, actually for seven and a half years, they kept us isolated uh, with one another. So I was in ADX in Florence, Colorado, at the Supermax prison. Um, I was um, in you know, different units like that. Um, so in those units, I had uh, an opportunity to debate with people like Richard Reed, um, the shoe bomber who attempted to blow up the plane right after 9-11 with the bomb in his shoe, he was sent by Al-Qaeda, and other, other people like that, people involved in the First World Trade Center bombing. Many of these people, by the way, had at this point um, changed their way of thinking as well. And, um, you know, we used to, uh, you know, our, 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 these units are very interesting because they wound up being divided into groups on the one hand who were against um, extremism and terrorism and so on. And then on the other hand, people who were uh, continued to, um, to hold those beliefs. And there was a lot of tension and sometimes violence between these, um, these groups in, in, in prison, which was very um, strange. But anyway, hmm. my, my point being that um, I came to the conclusion that there is a certain type of person who has a diseased heart. You know, this is a person who um, believes that um, uh, the world has treated him unfairly. Uh, he believes that the world owes him something. He believes that everyone else is crazy and he's the only one who's um, sound. Uh, he's the only one who's, um, you know, uh, who's, um, who's a good person. Um, and this type of person, when they come across the ideology of um, uh, the Islamist extremist ideology, uh, and many of the Muslim listeners who are listening to this will be upset about the term Islamist extremist, um, but I have a reason for saying that. I believe that that's a useful term, um, you know, but in any event, um, if you don't like that term, if they don't like that term, the religious extremist, um, you know, ideology, they're attracted to that because it um, ennobles and gives some justification for that sick, uh, diseased uh, personality that they already have. Um, and so they find something that resonates with that. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, there was this guy who was in prison for, uh, he was a Jordanian kid. He was in prison for attempting to send laptop computers to Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And he used to just go around, for example, changing the TV when other people were, were watching the TV. And, or, or, you know, or taking someone's food out of the microwave and putting his own food in the microwave. And I asked him one time, I said, why do you, why do you act like this? And he's like, oh, this is from the is of the Muslims. This is from the honor of the believers, you know? I'm like, no, you're just a bully and you're trying to justify to yourself why you're doing that. And so he, he used to do that a lot. Now, I'm, I was in a psychology group class with him, a therapy group, and we were required in prison to attend these types of 
um, you know, group, uh, group therapy sessions. So the prison psychologist is there and I'm in this group with <laughs> this therapy group with, um, you know, some very uh, interesting people. Every single one of their stories is its own story in itself. So this Jordanian kid is in there and the psychologist told us, uh, you know, to come to the next session with some example of a conflict we had been in in our personal lives that was our own fault that we had contributed to. And the purpose of that um, was for us to begin to realize that we were not in prison because um, you know, people had been unjust to us. Uh, we were in prison because uh, we had contributed in some way to our situation. Now, I will say that there are actually a lot of people who are in prison for unjust reasons. There, there's no question about that. But for most of us, you know, most people in prison, frankly, um, they've done they've they've done something uh, to get to where they're at. So I came, um, you know, I came to the next session with some example of a conflict that I had been in with a fellow prisoner that um, really I could have avoided by not behaving a certain way. And by the way, I think all human beings fall into this. You know, we can get into a road rage incident, road rage incident, and say, "Oh, this guy, he." cut me off or this, whatever, but we don't think to ourselves, how did I react to that in a way that I could have avoided? Anyway, this kid, this Jordanian kid comes in and says, I have never been in any conflict in my life um, that was my fault. It has always been because people disagreed with my Islamic principles. Well, I can tell you right now that not a single conflict that I had seen him in in the year that I was in there with him had anything to do with Islamic principles. It was all his petty, nasty, um, uh, um, uh, low life uh, personality that was causing him to come into conflict with other human beings. And I, I'm sorry to keep on talking about it, but anyway, yeah. I gave him a I gave him a copy of a, a book one time. He asked me, he said, Ismail, um, why do people hate me? Yeah. And I said, people hate you because um, you're a nasty person. And I said, you need to work on your, your soul. You need to work on your heart. And I gave him a copy of a book called Madaraj al-Sadakin by a scholar called Ibn Qayyim, a great scholar, lived many hundred years ago. But this book is essentially a manual on how to purify your heart from the diseases of jealousy and pettiness and so on and so on. Well, anyway, um, um, so what happened is that I gave him this book and he says, oh, yeah, I know about this book. I teach this to my students all the what? time. Okay. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, so in other words, you're, I, I told them, no, don't read this book as a means of like, you know, you know, blowing your student's mind with the deep thoughts of this. I said, you need to read this book, you know, brutally, um, being brutally honest with yourself, looking in the mirror and asking yourself, how am I guilty of this? To How does this apply to me? I, I say all that to say that I actually agree with you. I agree with you that there is a certain type of person who comes to a religion with with um, with a preconceived heart. And by the way, there's a person who comes yep. to the religion with a with a good heart and with a sound heart. Right. And this this kind of person will see in the religion, he'll see the beauty in it, he'll see the truth in it, and he won't take a right. distorted version of it. So how do you know that's because that's because the the religion is not this uh, is messed up? That's maybe it's because the person is a good person and they're just trying to make the religion match their personality and match what they want how do you know that you're not doing the same thing because a, because a good person and i'm not calling myself a good person but i will say that i don't have uh the level of uh, of sickness um you know of the soul that these people had uh by by god's permission and by god's grace um 
you know, uh, but I, I'm constantly in fear of that. And, and that's actually the point. When a person is, is in constant um, uh, vigilance over his heart and constant fear of falling into the diseases of pettiness and jealousy and bullying and, um, and uh, uh, the, you know, uh, getting joy out of seeing people uh, hurt and th these types of, of sicknesses, when a person who doesn't have that in his heart and he comes to the religion, which itself, by the way, the, this religion itself is in line with the inherent um, better angels of our nature, as it's been said, then they will they will get out of this religion uh, something uh, beautiful. But, but if someone if someone comes to this religion with a sickness in their heart, then they will see um, the uh, verses in a in a in a sick light and in a distorted light in the same way that their soul is distorted and that's what they'll walk so it's with. almost as it's almost as if the religion has nothing to do with it it's almost i don't say that because no, but, but, but just let me let me just yeah. say you, you but yeah. you're you're coming with the assumption that islam is good and pure so yeah. naturally a good person with a good heart is getting the right interpretation from it rather than a person that his heart is diseased or whatever right uh but that's I mean, but but then when you're when you're when you're trying to see if Islam is pure and correct, you're only referring to people that maybe you see that they are good people, and you're seeing their interpretation of what they have in the Quran. But but then the reason, as you acknowledge, might be because of who they are, not because of what Islam is. Maybe their version of of Islam is a better version because they're better people, not because Islam is a good religion. This, um, the interpretation or the understanding of the religion that um, I think most people um, would universally see as good and sound. For example, the principle that I have to love for my neighbor what I love for myself. Most, I mean, anyone who doesn't believe that, um, they're a sociopath. Really. Wait, I have to wait. So I think yeah. I'm a sociopath then, because I yeah. should I should love my neighbor as much as I love myself. You should. We should love for our neighbors what we love for ourselves. If I, mm. um, so if, I, if is, I want, so you're so this is Christianity, okay? So you're, no, no, that, no. That, yes, that is uh, was said by uh, quoted by Jesus in the Bible, but it's all uh, and other places. But it's also it's also the Prophet Muhammad said it. So the these Prophet are, Muhammad these are, said anyone you are not a believer unless you love for uh, your neighbor uh, what you want for yourself. See, this is why I, I don't like religious moral even the so-called good parts because they're so simplistic and they usually don't are not very effective. I mean, obviously we all have different needs and desires. What's good for me is not necessarily good for, for you. I, if I want to serve the society, I better understand people's, uh, you know, different needs and desires instead of just assuming what I, what is good for me is good for them. But that, no, 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 but, that, but, that's not what that means. But anyway, but, that's, that's a different, um, yeah, I'm know, just, I'm just saying though. like the, the, the amount of, nuance and the so, the so-called good parts of the Quran or the Bible um are are not you know they're not very nuanced at all they're very the good parts are um very simplistic fuzzy make make to feel make you feel good about your religion parts of the uh religion that that more, better philosophers have talked about um you know moral you know b the best way to do to have moral codes uh, 
um, thousands of years before the Bible or the Quran in much more advanced ways. But that would be a debate. That would be a very long debate. Um, so don't you think... So a lot of the explanations that people have for the verses in the Quran when when people like me criticize the mm-hmm. Quran, yeah. a lot of those ex- explanations... Um, what I ask is like, wouldn't it be good if that was in the Quran? Like the Quran itself challenges us to bring a document, uh, bring a bring a writing better than it, right? right so when right. I ask, for example, uh, oh, this verse tells you that if your wife is not obedient to you, first you don't talk to her, then you abandon her from your bed, and then if she still doesn't listen to you, then you beat her, right? And I think, uh, and people that you fear disobedience, women that you, your wives that you fear disobedience from. And we would say, well, that's fucking bullshit. That's, that's barbaric. And people, there's so many different responses to this. Uh, most of, most of the responses is that the beating is a light beating. Uh, but then recently, very recently, uh, compared to how Islam, how long Islam has been around, some people are trying to make an excuse that, uh, this doesn't even mean beat your wife. Uh, which is nonsense. Anybody that knows anything about Arabic could see that it actually does mean beat, beat your wife. But but the, the thing is, whatever excuses they have, um, it would have been great if the Quran had clarified that. <laughs> right? That would have been an improvement. Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that if the Quran had one verse saying we shouldn't own other human beings, slavery is wrong, that would have made it a better book? That if the, if the if the verse that says about wife beating was not there, it wouldn't have, that would have been a better book. If um, if all if all the clarifications regarding oh de- defeating all the kafirun until all religion is for Islam, if if all the excuses for that for why that's not a violent barbaric verse, um, I'm not gonna go over the justifications with you right now. But if those don't you think it's not a very if the, if the, if that's what it meant, then it should have been there in the book somewhere. Like we have human documents, instructions. Like I, I the manual for my for my microwave is more clear than the Quran, right? And I think that, you know people wrote documents that is really fo- easy to follow, very clear. Uh, but this is apparently you need like you need like an. Um, committee of scholars to be able to uh, decode, to be able to get one simple message out of it. But go on. Well, I, I would say that it's, uh, as you acknowledge, there are verses that are clear and there are verses that are not clear. And the Quran itself says that. Uh, and it also says that those in whose hearts is a deviation will follow those verses that are not clear. And um, the, the Quran was intended to be read um, um, in light of the explanation of um, the Prophet Muhammad about these verses. I mean, that's what he was sent for, to clarify um, for the people the meaning of the Qur'an. And the, the purpose of the scholars is to clarify what the meaning of the Qur'an was and clarify the meaning of um, the, was Prophet's ne- wor- never the Prophet's men- words. It was never mentioned that we need scholars. It mentioned that the uh, the the community of Muslims, maybe they, they never come to an agreement that is wrong, right? But... No, it does, it, it does say in the Quran to ask those uh, with knowledge if you don't know something. And so it, I mean, it, it, we, are, we are told to ask those people who know more than we do. You yeah, know? but the question, I mean, no, okay, but that's not, yeah. that's not exactly the same thing. Obviously, okay. yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying that, first of all, how do you know, all these scholars, first of all, disagree with each other. 
how do you know that you're referring to the right scholar? Okay, so there, what you would say, for, first of all, there are some people who claim scholarship or who are um, commonly referred to as scholars who, in fact, are not scholars and that, um, you know, that no one should listen to, or, or by the way, who are um, people who are qualified in one area, um, but who made mistakes um, in other areas, and so their opinions should not but made be mistakes followed in those other areas. made mistakes according to you. Um, well, you know, I, I, I definitely concede that um, someone from ISIS is going to say that, well, actually, it's you who are mistaken. It's not us who are mistaken. I, right. I acknowledge that. But what I will say, once again, I'm, I'm going to um, return to the fact that um, to the point that I'll, I'll give you an example. OK, so I, I, I recently uh, published uh, this um, monograph here on this. Oh, paper. what is that? Uh, Pakistan's blasphemy law. And Bring up, you're covering the yeah. title. Oh, sorry. Pakistan. Uh, okay, so you have a. This is, this, you wrote this book. Oh yeah. yeah Pakistan's yeah, yeah. no, keep it up. I want to. Okay, okay, sorry. Pakistan's blasphemy law and non-Muslims by is Ismail Royer. Right. right okay, exactly. so that's okay. Cool. So, so to to take this um, issue as an example. Okay, Did so I pronounce your last name right? Royer? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, that's good. correct. So in Pakistan, they have a law that um, says that if you insult the Prophet Muhammad, you get the death penalty. And there are um, about 50% about of the people who are charged under this law are Christians. And Christians make up like 4% of the population. So this law is supposedly, it was passed during the um, uh, uh, dictatorship of Zia al-Haq, um, Zia al-Haq as, he, as he's known. And he um, introduced these uh, laws um, into the military, I said dictatorship, I mean the military rulership that's less, um, you know, less pejorative, uh, more neutral, but, you know, he passed, he passed the, the introduced these laws, and um, these laws are supposed to be uh, based on um, Islamic sources and Islamic law. Um, now, it's certainly true that there are scholars who said that if a non-Muslim um, Christian or whatever insults the prophet, um, then he is to be killed for that. And that's true, that there are scholars who said that. Now, there are also scholars who said, no, if, uh, if a non-Muslim insults a prophet, then it doesn't, uh, that's not something that is to be punished because um, he already doesn't believe in Islam and that's accepted in our religion that, uh, uh, you know, because uh, we don't force people to uh, believe, in, believe things and we accept that there are people who believe things other than we do. And so, Therefore, their their insults of the prophet are something that. Um, Do you believe in the story of Muhammad, the part of the story of Muhammad that when he came back to capture Mecca, he had a list of people that were supposed to be put to death, uh, including right. poets that made fun of him. Okay, so I, I covered that 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 exact issue was covered heavily in this book. Why? Because this is one of the things that the that Pakistan's law is actually based on mm. is on on this um, uh, on this uh, uh, these narrations like this. Um, but um, it's not that simple because mm -hmm. first of all, yeah, it's not that simple. Uh, now it seems like you, it seems to me like you have a harder job. Convince, yeah. uh, showing that these stories and hadith and sunnah and versus Quran don't right. apply and they mm -hmm. have an easier job making a direct line between Muhammad's life and their justification for what they're doing. It seems like their job is a lot easier. It seems like Islam has made their job a lot easier than your job. But go on. Well, well I, I would say to that that, um, you know, 
I would say to that that if you look at this, um, my treatment of this issue, this is just an example, right? So you can, you know, it is true that there are very highly respected um, scholars, if not even the majority, who said that a non-Muslim who insults a prophet is to be killed. And then if you look at the opinion of the um, the scholars who said no, he's not. So how can I say which one is uh, right in this situation? Okay, I can't say that. Uh, Categorically, uh, first of all, I'm not qualified to do that because I'm not um, of that level of. So you might be wrong. Can you admit that you might be wrong? Well, we're here. Here's where I'm not wrong. Where I'm not wrong is that it is not mandatory for this uh, non-Muslim to be killed because there is no um, there is no agreement among the scholars for that. Muhammad did it. You have to follow the way of Muhammad. That's that's Sunnah. Okay, but there's no there's no agreement that this is a mandatory thing to be done in this situation. And because there's no agreement on this mandatory thing to be done, we can see that, in fact, this law um, results in a great deal of harm. It it results in a great deal of harm in the sense that it it is causing um, internal strife in Pakistan between Christians and Muslims. It's causing uh, Pakistani Christians to be oppressed uh, and for their rights to be violated. And uh, in general, it's 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 a harmful law. And so therefore, the law should not be uh, applied to non-Muslims. And so this is an example. This is an example of the type of thing where you say, all right, well, here's these scholars over here who are legitimate scholars, but they should not be followed because that opinion is, um, as applied in this situation in Pakistan, is resulting in harm. Whereas if we are to follow the scholar who is um, that's those scholars who disagreed with that and said no, they shouldn't be punished. Then that you're that focusing would result too. In good. You're focusing too much on harm in dunya rather than akhirat. You're focusing. Uh, they would say like harm in this life is is not as important as focusing on harm in afterlife. You're too obsessed it, with dunya. You're too ob- so obsessed with this life. No, it is. It is. It's certainly true that um, peop- the 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 after uh, the hereafter and the. Um, destination that we go to is is something that is considered a good in Islam. It's something that is considered a benefit. But at the same time, Islam is also concerned with preserving life. It's considered concerned with preserving justice. Um, So we have to um, we have to balance. Okay, we have to balance, um, you know, um, our behavior in, in, in this world. You know, so for the question, the question is, is it helping um, it, to is it helping to advance the purpose of this religion by having this law? No, it's not. And so what is the purpose of be. this religion? Well, this religion has uh, the, the, the the scholars uh, by uh, by. It seems like it seems like you're more referring more to like it, this is what I noticed. A lot of the people, yeah. so-called modern Muslims, they're more obsessed with scholars than Muhammad and the Quran himself. Because we cannot. Um, we, we cannot um, ourselves go to the Quran and go to the Prophet Muhammad with our limited understandings. We have to understand. So the Quran is not written. The Quran is not written for the average person. The Quran, God could not come up with the simple enough instructions for people with simple minds to be able to understand. You have that, to have, there needs to go, there needs to be some other people that. But here's the thing, if you can't... No, no, no. I disagree with that. I, what I, and I'll let you finish. I'll let you okay. finish. But let me just say that the Quran, the vast majority of it, 
can be understand can be understood by the ordinary person. The so yeah, but then of, now you don't know which part things. you now yeah. you don't know which parts. Now you have to be able to judge which parts you can understand and which parts you can't understand. But here's yeah, the thing: uh, if you can't if you can't trust somebody to understand the meaning behind these uh, hidden meanings in the Quran, why then you by that argument you shouldn't be able to trust them to recognize which scholar they should trust either. You know that seems like even a more complicated task for them to be able to judge which scholars are worthy of following. If you, if you, if if they're not educated enough to 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 decode the Quran yeah. according to you, they shouldn't be educated enough to be able to know which scholars are good. Well, first of all, let me uh, a fair uh, a fair point, which um, uh, I believe I have a fair response to. But before I get to that, let me just first stress again that the vast majority of the Quran um, is. It can be understood by the ordinary person, and um, with a with a sound, uh, you know, ordinary intellect, and who's not coming to the Quran trying to read um, uh, evil uh, uh, into it and justify his evil soul. The ordinary person who comes to the Quran will uh, be able to understand it, will be able to benefit it for, uh, from it. Worship one God. Uh, 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 don't uh, don't uh, cut off relations with your um, with your family. Um, give charity. Pray. Um, uh, you know uh, these are these are things that the ordinary can, uh, person can understand and um, and be patient with hardship in this life and you know and 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 so on. But when there, it comes to those uh, that minority of uh, of issues, your question was if I can characterize it correctly was. Um, what was it again? Actually, I thought it was a really good point. I've just forgotten what it was. I said, like, if you can, if somebody is not educated or intelligent enough to yeah. to try to see if the court, which what the, these verses of the Quran mean, it seems like yeah. you need you need even more credentials to be able to justify which scholars are the so the so scholar. yeah yeah. So so one of the um, main causes for the uh, decline of Islamic civilization, as well as for the increase in the chaos. Um, that you're seeing um, in the uh, Muslim world is because of the decline of the scholars. With, uh, with the decline of, of scholars, the decline of scholarship in Islam and the, the decline uh, and the loss of knowledge and the following of people of ignorance, the spread of ignorance, the spread of misunderstanding of this religion, this is what has caused, um, has, this is what has allowed uh, groups like ISIS, groups like Al Qaeda, um, these misunderstandings to come about. So in that in that point, uh, what I do is actually agree with you in this. What? what because because it, it this is why this is why it is um, this is why when there were um, legitimate and actually like qualified scholars uh, dominated, then um, then the correct understanding of this religion dominated. But when that began to be lost, then we see the spread of confusion and uh, I don't know. I don't think that um, I think a lot of people in the modern day when they watch ISIS or Al Qaeda or Taliban, mm. they think everything is getting worse. But historically, actually, is everything is getting better. I don't I, I don't I think um, I think uh, uh, as a per capita wise, um, I think Islam historically was worse than uh, ISIS or Al Qaeda. These are, uh, you know, I mean, these ISIS and Al Qaeda, as a percentage of the entire Muslim co community, obviously don't represent as much of the Islamic community as as much as they 
uh, as much as they used to. Uh, and I think the reason why that's happening is because you have less scholars dedicating their, uh, less people dedicating their lives into Islam and more Muslims that are so more Muslims that are Muslim by name, but dedicating most of their lives to things other than Islam. Uh, well, for, I mean, well, well, I mean, one, just, one thing that uh, one thing that madrasas like, I mean, if you look at the so-called um, Muslim uh, scientists or f f uh, great thinkers of the golden era, uh, go uh, the golden age of uh, Islam, which I, re I, I rather refer to it as the golden age of Arabs because Islam had nothing to do with it, is that the f is this, this point that Islam had nothing to do with it. They were doing science because they were scientists, not because they were Muslim. They were doing philosophy because they were philosophers, not because they were Muslim. It's just like any other rich empire at some point starts dedicating a lot of funds and resources to something. Uh, and, you know, the Arab empire became very rich, so they dedicated a lot of funds to science and philosophy. Uh, I, I, so yeah, I, I don't think I, I think um, I think it's going the other way around. I think right now you're saying more uh, more people from the Islamic world, um, all, you know, either abandoning Islam or ignoring Islam, and this is a sign of progress. I think. But, well, I I, I um, see it differently. Of course, I mean, I the way I see it is that. Um, this, um, you know, the, 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 the noble um, teachings of uh, religion, uh, belief and character that uh, and um, an interaction with other human beings that uh, predominated in ages past has um, has been lost. And uh, I so absolutely the case that I, groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda are a very uh, small minority in the Muslim uh, world and in fact are mostly universally hated. but. Nevertheless, the, they represent um, one symptom, um, one feature of the greater um, loss of, of, of authentic uh, knowledge and understanding of this religion. And people, as far I mean, I would disagree with your characterization of Islam of um, you know that predominated uh, you know 500 years ago or, or 800 years ago as being. Uh, worse than ISIS. I absolutely don't believe that. I think that ISIS nope. is coming with something new that is uh, never, it's you know, has only been seen in the form of these uh, crazy uh, deviant groups. No, all, all forms of all, all forms of religious nut jobs have their new way of looking at things. Obviously, right. but yeah. um, so, what what are your thoughts on ex-Muslim on, on apostates? Like, do, do you think, don't you agree that there is a lot of Sahih Hadith asking mm. for killing people that used to be Muslim but now left Islam? That's pretty clear well, cut, I think. Well, you're, you're asking me, and I'm, I'm sure that you have heard the um, what you would consider to be the apologetic uh, or apologetics uh, answer. Treason? Are you going to refer to treason? Is that right, right. And I, I will say that as well that I covered that... Um, in this, uh, the book that I uh, held up, and also uh, the person who wrote the introduction to that book, who's a well-known scholar, um, uh, he covered that uh, question as well. And um, I researched this in Arabic, okay? And um, I didn't just go and read some, this is what you should say to non-Muslims when they ask you about this. This book that I showed you is actually a book that is written for 
Muslims. It's not written for non-Muslims. It's written from a Muslim to another Muslim. To oh, I'm going to go them. read it just because it wasn't written for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's secondary. The non the, the non -Muslim, non Muslims are a secondary audience. I mean, this book is primarily advice for right. Muslims. Okay. Okay. So, so um, what I mean, the reason I say that is that I I, I want to make it clear that I um, am not primarily involved in trying to. Um, uh, you know, trying to give uh, public relations type answers to non-Muslims, but what I'm actually primarily involved in is talking to other Muslims about this religion, right. trying to help them. Okay, so what I would what I say um, to Muslims to explain this is that having studied this in Arabic and the commentaries on this um, on this uh, uh, issue is that it almost certainly certainly is related to those who. Um, made uh, war, changed their religion, and oh. made war against the Muslims. It doesn't now, say. Yeah. It does not say that. It does no, not no, say that. No, 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 no. But however, however, the, the these the scholars explained it that way. Not all scholars, but most scholars. Muhammad most scholars, did not explain it that way. That's the point. No, no. But if you look, if you look at the context of this, and again, this context is very important. There are many, many, many people during the life of the Prophet who left Islam. First many of all, people. most most scholars agree with uh, agree that this that yes, ex-Muslims should be put to death. I don't know where okay. you're getting that number. Where are you getting that scholars from? You, well, well you... read, 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 read my book, and you'll see that I quoted classical scholars saying. Yeah, classical. That... So classical means the ones mm -hmm. that I agree with you. But I'm just saying that. Do you agree that the most scholars, maybe not scholars that you listen to, agree that uh, Islamic scholars, and I use the yeah. word scholar loosely here, uh, yeah. but the, they agree that this, this is pre clear indication that if somebody is a Muslim and they leave Islam, they should be put mm -hmm. to death. That's their understanding of this verse. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly true. It's certainly the case that... Um, you know, scholars, uh, oh, classical scholars held that in an Islamic uh, polity or empire that if someone, um, you know, leaves the religion and then goes about announcing it, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't even say that it. it says no, it just, is, yeah, just just but, leaving but, Islam but, is enough. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but it's. You know, you can't leave it just like that. You have to look at the broader um, at the broader uh, meaning of the circumstances. Why? Because there were many people who left Islam during the time of the Prophet. Not, I don't want to say many, but there were there were many examples of that. You know, and so did the Prophet Muhammad order? All, hold on a second. Did the Prophet Muhammad order all these people uh, to be killed? No, he, he didn't. He or, he ordered those to be killed who went and um, he not wasn't empowered. He wasn't holding power yet. No, but he but he ordered the people to be killed who um, not only left Islam but actually then began actively uh, fighting against the Muslims and calling other people to fight against the Muslims. So is, is the question the question is this: the question boils down to, did the Prophet mean when he said that um, kill the person who changes their religion? Did he mean the person who merely changes his belief from being? A Muslim, and he decides to be a Christian. He decides to be an idol worshiper. Worshiper. He decides, you know, in and of itself, is that uh, sufficient? And um, from my study of it, I don't see that uh, that that was ever the case. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I believe that a person who decides that 
he doesn't believe in, in Islam, then there's no way to force someone to believe something that they don't believe. The That's real, not the what, that, the verse is not, the verse is not, yeah. the, sorry, the, this hadith is not saying you can force them to be Muslim. The, the, right. the, the hadith is saying you have to kill them, not because they should, you're forcing them to be Muslim, you just have to, that should be the punishment for leaving Islam. And again, I'm going to uh, say that, my, you know, my understanding of that hadith and the understanding uh, that I have from reading scholars on this is that it does not apply to someone who simply changes their religion, but rather it applies to someone who goes out and begins to um, call against uh, um, the religion and begins to uh, incite people against the religion and begins. Uh, let me I, I do want to say that um, it's very important to keep in mind, and this is going to sound nonsensical to us because we live in uh, right. can, can I just in, can I just read yeah, some of yeah. this hadith just to see that what yeah. exactly the so Allah's apostle that means Rasulullah that means Muhammad right yeah uh, he this is what he said uh, and this is Sahih Bukhari and you will you yeah. agree with Sahih Bukhari you think it's authentic can we yeah, have, it is authentic. okay it is authentic. so this is authentic yeah. okay so just to clarify for people, there are six uh, main sources of hadith for Sunni Muslims, right? Mm -hmm, and yeah. two of them are the most authentic, are considered the most authentic mm -hmm. ones, which is Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And this is Sahih Bukhari. So basically these two books are only second, the only thing that comes higher to, uh, above these two books when it comes to authority in Islam and being authentic source of Islam is the Quran. After the Quran is basically Hadith Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Yeah. So Allah, so Muhammad said, the blood of a Muslim who confesses that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah. So basically mm -hmm. that's a long, that's right. a long way of saying a Muslim, right? Right, that's, that's so, right. Okay. The blood of a Muslim who confesses that none, none has the right to be worshipped by Allah and that I am his Apostle, so basically Shahada cannot be shed, cannot be shed except in three cases. So basically, you should not be killing a Muslim, other than uh, three three cases, right? Mm -hmm. So in in kisos kisos for murder. So basically, if somebody in paying blood for blood money, I guess for basically no 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 it, mean, no, it means it, it means in uh, retribution for for murder. for murder basically okay so if somebody kills somebody you could kill them and I think murder of another Muslim but no murder, no yeah. but, but by the way let but me let, let me let me let me let me finish this, this. Is, okay yeah. All right, yeah. a married person who commits illegal sexual intercourse so the first people were the people that commit murder the second people were uh, people that commit adultery mm -hmm. and the third people and the one who reverts from Islam mm -hmm. and leaves the Muslims it doesn't yes. say it doesn't say that you have to be fighting Muslims back it doesn't say that if could they come and betray the Muslims or anything like that somebody that reverts from Islam that's that's pretty much yeah it, right right that that's that is what that says but what I you know and there's again two there are more hadiths that confirm this more there are multiple hadiths but yeah go on that, yeah, but what I have to again have to caution you is this is the danger of uh, selecting uh, these hadith and taking them out of the broader context understanding, you know, so before you before you mock, okay. mock that as I mean, because, again, I mean, um, the, the, the first of all, there's another hadith, that's, uh, other hadith that say someone who leaves the Islam, uh, leaves a religion and divides the jama'ah and divides the community. OK, and who splits from the community who, you know, so there, there what's what is the, what is being discussed there is the is the um, the issue of 
um, essentially uh, causing social chaos and disorder. So you don't so, see this. Pro you don't see this as problematic, though. You don't see this as this would have been. It would have been better. My religion would have been better if this was not here. No, because this is what this is. This is coming in. This again has a certain context, and you can't take it out of context and say, for example, okay, so therefore I'm going to go and. Uh, try to kill uh just you know, just someone. to be clear when try, you read try hadith... to kill army nawabi you know for example yeah i mean i mean you, you, i mean you, you can't that's that doesn't apply to this situation it just well, doesn't apply you know? if you want to if you want to kill me there's a line for that um so I, but no i i actually don't and no i know i'm just i'm just i, 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 I find this type of course see, I, of course i didn't yeah. i didn't mean that of course i don't think yeah. i don't think you yeah. are right so i'm just saying i'm just referring to the people there are many people that are trying to kill me right look the point well look, but the but point, but, point, but a lot people, of and a lot of people yeah. that are trying to kill me they're they think they're justified right yeah, they I'm think sure it just they yeah. right but because of because of shit like this which i was which i wish i was there was not there uh but but so so you do, so when you say you have to look at it in context i just want to explain to our audience mm -hmm. that when you read the sahih bukhari uh, there is no context for these things right like they um, if you want to read it in context you have to get get it from somewhere else like when you read it it's not it's not every hadith, every part of this hadith is about one thing and then it jumps to something completely different. It's not yeah. like this is part you agree with that, right? That, like it's not like this is a part of a story that would make That's it right. that would makes it more clear if I read before and after of it. This is just a one piece of its own sitting right there without anything before and yes, after. Yes, right? that that's correct and that's yeah. why Sahih Bukhari was not intended to be read by uh, some you know uh, novice uh, uh, in the religion. It's not it's not intended to be read that way by a Muslim or a non-Muslim. It's intended to be read by scholars, not by ordinary people. And seems, this seems only, like a only, very inaccessible religion. No, the, I mean the only the only reason that we you're even able, or let's say ISIS is even able to distribute. Um, you know this, the, uh, their, uh, this, uh, these out of context uh, verses and, and hadith is because of the existence of, say, for example, the printing press and the internet. And so, in in days past, which are very hard to conceive of, because we don't, we don't even, we have not lived in a time when when this was the case. In in the old in older eras, um, people would not even have had access to these things. They would have had access only to a scholar who would have explained to them. Um, you know, the, the religion to them. But now uh, that everyone, uh, you know, everything, you know, technology has democratized um, everything, uh, you know, and, you know, people have access to this and this opens up uh, a realm of great disorder because people can just go and read these things and run with their interpretation of it, whether they're Muslims who are inclined to um, zeal without it, understanding, or there are non-Muslims who look hmm. at it and say, "Oh, well, this is clearly a." a it's a bad it's religion. almost as if the religion was not meant to survive modern society, modern the modern. No, it's world. not. It's not that, but it's that the modern world uh, has uh, you know challenges in it that did not exist in 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 previous times. I mean, there are um, you know the, we're we're living in an age that is very unique to. Uh, human history and in, in 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 the sense of the the technology in the sense of the organization of um, of of human human society which is you know in large part due to that technology so the I, the reason I say all these things is that 
with this, um, with this, these new circumstances, it requires a great deal of qualified scholarship for, of, for Muslims to look at this body of their religion, the canon of their religion, and to explain this religion to the people living in, this, in these times. And because of the decline of Islamic scholarship, because of the decline of Islamic civilization, we do not have people qualified to do that. And instead, we have people who are journalists, we have people who are um, you know, poets, we have people who are doctors, we have people who are engineers, and these are these people among the ordinary awam, the ordinary common people, have been able to pick up this uh, religion's texts and to interpret it in the way that they want to interpret it, so, and in a way, you know, so that's and in a way that has, um, you know, that has uh, little um, uh, uh, relevance and bearing to the actual original goals and purposes and and uh, beauty of of this religion. That's how I see uh, the times we're living in. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm multitasking here, so I'm I'm following yeah. three different chats, uh, live chats right now. <laughs> uh, so, um, a question from the live chat from Beach. She's saying, uh, yeah. she's asking, before cool. these were collected, who were they to be understood by? So I think she's saying before these hadiths. By the way, just to be clear, this yeah. a lot of these hadiths were collected hundreds of years after like the chain of narration all that nonsense but but before you had all this uh what were the muslims supposed to do during that time B before well, I, yeah yeah i mean uh first definitely definitely you know you didn't have the ability to go into a library or onto the internet and have access to hundreds of thousands of hadith ordinary person did not do that rather they um they went to the Friday, uh, to the mosque on Friday and heard lessons, or they went to their, um, you know, they went to, uh, you know, to after the prayer, then someone would come and get uh, one of us, uh, uh, someone of knowledge would give some advice or a father would hand something down to their son. And these um, sayings and these teachings that are handed down, um, these, there are the fundamentals of this were understood, were understood by people. The, the, the problem that is, arising is from texts um again it's from hadith and it's from verses that were um you know that are not that are that are from the minority of things that are not from things that are clear and people who have deviation in their heart they're taking these things and they're magnifying them to overshadow the um the clear simple and so, noble teachings of this religion L listen i just i just want to tell you that if right. you were if you were my neighbor mm. if you were my neighbor um you would not find from me any hostility. You would find from me uh, kindness. You would find from me charity. You would find from me uh, politeness. You would find from me respect. You would find from me, maybe you and I would get together to work on some, uh, you know, concern thing, uh, you know, for, for something happening in the neighborhood, or we would get together. You know, we, I would have you over for dinner. You would have me over for dinner. Now, mm -hmm. it, I would be, I would make it clear to you, and it would be clear if it were, you know, um, if you asked, uh, I, w I would make it clear to you that um, I don't believe what you believe. And I would make sure that you knew that the reason I'm treating you in this way is because of my teachings, but I wouldn't oppress you. Now, the reason for that is not because simply that I'm a good person and God willing, I am a good person, but it's because my um, uh, ethics are uh, informed and, and reinforced by my religion. And I don't go into my book and I don't go and I go seek out something that gives me some excuse 
to oppress you and to treat you uh, bad and gives me some excuse to go and uh, run over someone with a car or stab someone or blow someone. The, the only people who are doing that, who are going and looking for justifications to do that right. are people who are sick in, the, in their soul. Okay, right. do you understand what I'm saying? I yeah. completely understand what I say. Uh, yeah. And I, w I think I could very much get along with you and be, yeah. be friends with you. But yeah. and I, and I think if I if I discover that you're a, you're a great person, um, I'm not going to give credit to Islam for that. I'm going to give credit to you for that. Do, but yeah, I was so, I, but, yeah yeah but I, it, I, I do I do hear you and what you're saying. But what I can say is that if if Islam was something um, inherently uh, uh, evil, then it would have turned me into an evil person. Not but necessarily, because most Muslims yeah. I know, comp uh, most Muslims I know are better than Islam. And most, Muslim, uh, most Muslims are so much better than Islam that they either ignore Islam or to, they try to create their own version of uh, understanding of Islam to match their 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 good personalities, right? I would, I would say I would say that I would say that the other way to look at that is that um, most Muslims are um, their nature and uh, is in line with the um, uh, the pure and good teachings of this religion. That's, and it's that's, not in line with a distorted uh, understanding of this religion. That's that's the other way, the, the flip side. To yeah, that's your understanding. But my understanding is that Islam is inherently evil and most Muslims are not. Most Muslims are better than that, right? But actually, actually, and by the way, I have to, I have to remark on your, um, you know, uh, fairness and uh, politeness in this discussion, even though even on the things that we disagree on. But I, I want to say that you fairly pointed out and you said that there are things and um, teachings in this um, religion that could be characterized as supporting good character or, or whatever. So what I can say to you is that um, those things in this religion that are supporting good character and that you recognize as supporting good character, you recognize that because of your inherent inborn inclination to what is good. And those things that you would reject as, um, you know, something evil, those are either things that you're having a misunderstanding on or they're things that you yourself um, have some uh, misunderstanding in your heart and character about. And I'll give you an example where you mentioned your disagreement with the golden rule, treating other people as the way that you want to be treated. And you understood that to mean that everyone has to be given the exact same thing or treated in the exact same way that precise manner that I would wish to be treated with. It doesn't mean that. For example, if I invite you over to my house and I say, well, you know what? I like spaghetti. So therefore, I'm going to make sure that uh, Armin gets spaghetti too when I invite him over. And you're like, well, actually, um, I'm on a gluten-free diet. I'm like, no, no, I'm making sure that you eat what I eat. You know, <laughs> No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that I, if I were to be invited to your house, I would hope to be given some food that um, you know that that I would uh, that I would enjoy, and so therefore, if I'm going to invite you to my house, I'm going to make sure that you're given some kind of food that uh, that you enjoy. So that's what that means. It does. That's I, what I, you. I, that's I wanna, what you mean. That's what you mean. I'm just saying that's that everyone. That's what everyone. That's no, what everyone understood this religion. No, I mean, I mean this, this principle to me. I mean, and this principle is something okay. that all 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 sounds. You know, look, even, even I'm just Buddhist, saying there's which, not which, much. You know, I'm just saying yeah. there's not that much to the good parts, right? Uh, there's not that there much. Is. There's maybe, not maybe, much maybe. nuance to it. There's not much explanation. There's not much. It's true. That's you're right. You're you're absolutely right. There's not. It's right. because it's not necessary. Because oh. it's not necessary. It's it's not necessary to have um, uh, reams and reams of commentary on those things that are. Pure, well, pure and simple and clear. Where all of the disagreement comes about are on in those areas that are that are unclear. 
And we don't want to, we can't, you, if, if people focus on only what is unclear and which has, which lends itself to interpretations um, that are, that are, um, you know, unhealthy and unsound, then you're going to wind up with, uh, that's, that's your, your religion is going to be just a collection of, of um, uh, uh, distorted understandings of some, or exaggerated understandings of some uh, unclear verses and unclear statements. And you're going to be ignoring, you're going to be ignoring that, um, that you know, uh, body of of the religion that is that is teaching us to live in harmony with one another and to live um, in, and to live with respect with one another. Well, I don't agree with that, but we could go on talking about okay. that forever. But I mean, right. um, I have some other hadith examples yeah. that are ridiculous, but I don't want to know if we want to go over that. Like, I just just to give it an understanding, you know, mo most people when they have a problem with Islam, they talk about the violent parts, right? Yeah. But I don't even see the main cause of Islam to be violence and terrorism. Um, I see the main cause of Islam and other religions to be uh, diverging resources to play to to things that are not helpful to to, to monopolizing uh, certain needs that human has and reducing competition to it when it comes to our desire for community, for our desire to right. be significant, for desire for purpose. Uh, so. So, but there's, I mean, if you, the thing is that if, if anybody just reads the, all of the hadith, all of Bukhari and all of Muslim, I would be surprised if they don't go out, come out and say like, okay, that was, that was bad shit crazy. Just to give an understanding, like there, there are, there are parts of the hadith that tells you, I don't know if you know about this, that there's, if every fly. Uh, has an e on each of its wings, right? It has poison on it and w won't poison on it and the other fly uh, So every fly the two wings of a fly yeah. One one wing has poison on it and the other wing has the cure to that poison on it So if mm -hmm. a fly drops and in, falls into your drink make sure you dip it fully so that if you got the poison in your drink mm -hmm. You also get the cure for that poison in your drink before you drink it right Right. And we know that's absolute nonsense. There are verses that tells you. Well, well let me, let me, let me, if you don't mind, if I could just stop you there. Now, right. let me just say that um, I don't know um, with respect to that exact hadith. I haven't studied that and I don't know what the, um, you know, what the interpretation of that is. But I, I do want to say this. I want to say that there is, um, for those things that we can't wrap our heads around, hmm. there are, um, interpretations of those things that we should that we need to go and seek out and uh either there will be something that um you know that will uh, uh make sense to us or it will be something that you know that that we don't fully understand but we can say to ourselves that this is something some knowledge of the unseen that we didn't have did it mean is that literal is that figurative i don't know what what the answer is with respect or to that. it might be it might be that is nonsense right can you at least agree with that if there, if no because if the prophet said it it's not nonsense and it, <laughs> oh and it, it, that's know. the problem with religion that's the summary of the problem with religion right so you're it's something that is nonsense the definition of something not being nonsense is that if if the prophet says that it can't be nonsense, right? That's basically right. excusing non-religion. Excusing I, right. Nonsense. I mean, my understanding of it might be nonsense, but, right? But but in yeah. and of itself, uh, it, right. in in the in the under, in the sense that it's true, it's not nonsense. All right. But, okay. So we did. Yeah. I'm gonna read some questions from our live chat, but and before sure. I do that, there was one thing that everybody kept on wanting me to ask you, uh, yeah. but I wanted to leave that at the end. What made you go from atheism to Islam? Um. So, as I mentioned, that I I uh, I just didn't feel that I I didn't feel um, like I was on solid ground. You know, I felt that I was standing on nothing. I felt that I 
didn't have, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was, I was smoking weed one day and I used to smoke a lot of weed, you know, and, I, and I'd say, I said, I thought to myself, um, is this right or wrong? I mean, I, I actually don't know, you know, I mean, like I would have, I would have been able to answer that when I was Catholic, but I, I didn't know if it was right or wrong, you know, and it, you know, that's, just, it's the sort of thing that made me, it made me think like, you know, if I don't have any like sort of um, belief in anything, then I have really nothing to, to stand on. You know, I have no, I have no premises. I have no axioms. I have no, um, if I have no, if I have nothing like that, then I can't le draw any conclusions from anything, you know? And so another thing is that I, I began to feel like as well, like, where are we going? You know I mean? What is the purpose of, of living? What is, why are we on this earth? And I was listening at the time to a lot of reggae music and, um, I, you know, of course, in reggae, you know, there, there's some weird ideas about Haile Selassie and so on and so on. But they're, but in general, you know, they're, quote, they're, they're quoting a lot from the Bible. And I used to listen to a song that used to basically it was just the, uh, a psalm, um, you know, from the Bible and uh, from the Old Testament uh, set to music. And it, it was very beautiful, you know, and it, it's, it, it reminded me in my heart of the time when I used to be in church uh, praying and I felt God's presence you know, I used to feel God's presence, I and mean, I felt that there was some, you know, larger power that, that God was listening to me and and heard me, and I felt comfort in that. And so, when I uh, when I got to be about nineteen, I I missed that feeling, and I decided that I would go and um, you know I, I I went and tried the door of a church um, that I used to go to, and the door was uh, closed. I went at a time that it wasn't actually even open, but you know, and then I started reading the Bible again. Um, and I met a guy who was a Muslim and he gave me a copy of the Quran to read. And when I read it and I found that most of the, you know, content of it was very familiar to me, um, you know, as a Christian, um, you know, I had, having been a Christian, you know, the, the stories of Moses, the stories of Abraham is, which as you know, and Noah, as you know, make up most of the, you know, the, the, the stories that are in the Quran. And then, you know, the, the descriptions of God um, and his nature, um, you know, those things were not things that were foreign to me. The only, you know, what I what I actually really liked about the Quran and about Islam was the explanation of Jesus as being a prophet of God, and yes, born of a you know miraculous birth, but not um, being God's uh, son, and you know, and not being God Himself. So to me, that actually made a lot of sense because I, having loved Jesus, um, you know, grown up being taught to love Jesus, and having still this you know, um, positive uh, feeling for Jesus in my mind. I, I it, it, you know, Islam allowed me to, um, you know, accept Jesus as, um, you know, being a, a miraculous figure, but not as God himself. And I, when I was younger and being a Catholic, I had a very hard time with the Trinity. And that, this is one of the reasons that I wound up leaving Catholicism um, because it just, I just couldn't understand the, the, the Trinity. It just didn't resonate and make sense to me. But when, you know, so when I became Muslim, I said, okay, this is one God. This is a religion taught by Abraham. In my mind, you know, this uh, group of Jews, you know, in the, in the desert um, was, was, um, you know, visited by angels and, and did have a connection with um, their Lord. And this, this um, group of uh, descendants from these uh, patriarchs, these prophets did have a mission to bring all of humanity to um, the worship of one God and to good treatment of one another. And 
you know, I, I believe, um, you know, I, I believe in it. And I, I, when I was, what I was sitting in the park one day and I was, you know, looking at a bird and the bird was uh, singing and my friend who was a, a Muslim, he said to me, he said, do you see that bird? And I said, yeah. And he said, that bird, the, um, you can have the peace that that bird has um, because that bird does what God uh, created it for. It, that bird does what God intended for it. And that's what a Muslim means. It means one who submits to what God um, uh, wills for, for, for the human. And we have the choice to do that. That bird doesn't have that choice because that's what he was created to do, but he wasn't created with the choice to follow uh, or not follow. But we have that choice. We have a limited choice, of course, because we're uh, beholden to other laws that, you know, like gravity and, you know, lifespans and uh, entropy and so on. But, we're, but we do have a choice um, when it comes to whether or not we're going to believe in God or not believe in God. And, and that, when he said that to me, it, it, it reminded me that I did believe in God. And so it wasn't so much a, like when it, you know an argument from design and so on and so on, but rather it was just a, a reminder to me that I that I did believe in God and that um, I loved Him and um, and that's 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 what I believe. So based on what you said, would you would you not agree that basically it was a it was an emotional appeal rather than a logical one? I, I think that it was uh, there's an emotional aspect to it and there's a um, intuitive aspect to it um but it's certainly you know certainly there's you know i don't believe that there's any way to like quote unquote prove uh that god exists because there are alternative explanations i don't think the alternative explanations are convincing you know because i believe that there's it, it's so um it's so unlikely that that you know there would be an earth that was such and such amount away from the, the sun that was such and such an age. Oh my God, that, you're opening a Pandora's box that I would get into. I don't, I don't actually, by mentioning that, I don't mean by that to say that this somehow proves it, no. uh, proves God's existence. All I mean to say is that, um, you know, there, you can, one can, one, um, one can, uh, I, I also don't believe that there's any way to. I should send you a copy of my book. Why there is no God. I, I, I downloaded it and I read it. And Oh, you uh, read it. Yeah, and frankly, I mean, I these these um, arguments and, and well, well, thank, it, I, thank I you had, for reading it. That's yeah, yeah. I, the, the arguments in the, in that I, I dealt with in um, in in philosophy uh, one hundred and one. Now, I don't mean to say that to disparage your book <laughs> because you, you you put a lot of thought into it. You actually actually what I'm going to say to you what I'm I, I'll say to you the way that my philosophy class went to because it it, it I took this class about six months after um, being a, becoming a, a Muslim. And to me, the, you know, the, the teacher came in and he said, okay, I'm going to prove to you by the end of this class that God does not exist. And he came in, he, what he did was he set out to disprove um, the so-called proofs that had been advanced by Aquinas and others um, for the existence of God. But for me, over and over and over again, the, um, the failure of proofs of uh, Aquinas and others, uh, you know, um, does not equate to um, proof that God does not exist. No, and, but it's but yeah. it's uh, no. That's not the claim. Though. The claim is that you shouldn't believe in something there's no evidence for. Right. right. I, under I understand. You what understand you're saying, it, but, right? Okay. Yeah. You I, understand I, I, the I burden of proof and all that, right? Yes, but but you know, in actually the the burden of proof does um, is a sound uh, principle when it comes to many things. For example, criminal law and so on and so on. But when it comes to something like whether or not there exists something transcendent above. Um, above this physical world, then um, you either believe it or you don't believe it. You either 
um just know, because if, something if, is transcendent that doesn't shift the burden of proof no no but i mean but so the fact oh, right right but the the principle that one has to prove uh that god exists is itself a, uh, you know something that you have to prove so uh, you know i i don't i don't I, I don't see any necessity for the burden of proof being on the one who believes in God to prove that God exists, because anyway, that's impossible. You can't prove from you can't prove from the physical that something metaphysical exists. So yeah, I agree that it's impossible. That's why we don't believe it. Yeah, uh, but but he but, can't... but you have but then you have to you have to explain why there's some uh, necessity to to prove that. You, you see what I'm saying? You've you've actually already destroyed. By this is begging the question. You're begging the question by saying, yeah. first of all, a you have to um, you have to prove that um, you, the burden of proof is on the one making the claim when it comes to the existence of the metaphysical. Uh, you can't prove the existence of the metaphysical, therefore you can't. You know, therefore you you lose. I mean, that that's actually question. Wait, how is that? How is that begging? How is that begging a question? I'm it's not trying the to. Question I, because because yeah. you've already you've already assumed what you're trying to prove. You're no, already, I didn't assumed. assume. I didn't assume anything. I'm saying like I'm I'm. I didn't assume there is no God. I'm saying I will believe in a God as soon as you give me an evidence. No, I didn't yeah. assume the con I didn't assume anything. I'm saying I can't believe in things without evidence. Like right, that. Well, can you believe in anything else that I come up with right now that without evidence? I mean, based on that argument, Hinduism is right, Christianity is right, Islam is right, Judaism is right, uh, Scientology is right. Uh, homeopathy is right. I mean, you, you can, yeah, no, and all of no, this all of a sudden becomes up for up, you know, becomes real because like you because no, if you shift no, because there there are way, there are ways to there are ways to disprove uh, metaphysical uh, claims with respect to other me metaphysical claims, but there's no way to prove from uh, from physical evidence uh, whether there is or is not a um, uh, uh, something transcendent above it. So therefore, what you wind up doing is you wind up saying either um, there is a burden of proof to, to do that or there isn't one. And what I say mm -hmm. is that, you know, uh, if I have the axiom that God exists and then I proceed from, from there, then that explains uh, to me um, uh, my existence, it explains to me uh, my soul, it explains to me uh, many, many things. And But that um, doesn't you know, make and, it and, real. Right. right. Okay. But and that's why that if if there had been if there had been some way to prove from the physical um, that something metaphysical existed, such as God, then it wouldn't be faith. It would just be a matter of doing. Some okay. So when you say or, it wouldn't be faith, if there was a way, that means that you're agreeing that it's not based on logic. It's based on something other than logic. No, I, I say that it's based on it's it's an axiom. It's a it's something that you assume to be true, and with no it's good, something, you're, that, you it's something that you assume to be true with no good reason. I, I I actually have a reason, and the and the reason is 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 intuition, and the reason is not only intuition. Oh, no, that's also, not a very good source of knowledge. Um, well, you know that's that's where we differ, but and but that's, that's what makes human human beings human beings differ, and they will always differ, and so you and I right. differ in that way. For me, for me, it is a it is a good reason to believe. See, not only is it a good, not only is it my intuition, you know, I, and I just want to mention Augustine, um, and uh, he said something very beautiful. Even though I'm a Muslim, I agree with him on this very much, which is that. You know, we're we, we really are never taught anything, but we are uh, reminded of things that we already know. And, and that's what uh, Plato said is, as well. And I do agree with that. I, I agree that we're I believe that we are born um, with a certain nature and with with knowledge and that we in our lives 
um, we forget those things and are distant from those things. And when, so for example, if you say to me, hey, you know, two and two is uh, five. And I sit there and I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold on. And I, and I, sit and I say, no, you're, you're wrong about that. So in that sense, I sit in judgment over You're using you. logic over, over there. But Right. Okay, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, you were, you were just saying something. Um, what you just said before this? Um, before well, two and two. I was just saying, I was, I, I was just saying just that there's to... no... I was just saying that I agree with you that there's no actual uh, way to prove uh, from the from the non-physical, uh, I mean from the physical that, that the metaphysical right. exists. And I, some Muslims might might disagree with okay. me, and uh, I'm just saying this from my own under, understanding. And God forgive that, me if okay. I've gotten that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just gonna yeah. just say one last thing, and then I'm gonna go to some of the live chat questions, and we need responses yes, sort of fast because we we we've been gotten way yes, too sir. long. So I have one question. Um, and then I'll go to the live chat question. So you you were a Catholic, yeah. then you decided that that's wrong, and you became an atheist, and then you decided that that's wrong, and you became a Muslim, correct? Yeah. Okay, so you already thought that you were wrong twice, mm -hmm. right? Is there any chance that you're wrong now? There's no chance. There's no chance. There's no chance that I'm wrong. The, the reason there's no chance that I'm wrong is that what I believe now is um, what I believed when I was uh, as, far, as far back as I can remember. You know, there I, I when I was when I was a child, my mother told me a story which I vaguely remember. And of course, I don't don't know if I actually remember this or if I just remember having once remembered this. But, you know, she told me a story of when I was about two years old and I built a um, or three and I built a pile of leaves. And I asked my mom, um, and I stood on top of the pile of leaves, and I asked my mom, if I build this pile of leaves high enough, um, can I see God? And someone would say, oh, well, you were three years old, and your mom was already teaching you about God's existence, and so on and so on. But no, I, I believe that when I, um, when, I left, um, when I left Catholicism, when I left Christianity, um, I left something of the truth. I don't believe that Catholicism is true entirely, but I believe that it has something of the truth. And when I left that and I fell into atheism, I believe that I went into a, a dark period of, um, of ignorance and of, of, of loss. And I believe that in darkness. And I believe that when I um, realized again that in fact God does exist and that he has uh, a plan for us and that he's uh, merciful and he is, um, you know, he's all wise and he is, uh, the most high and 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 these things and then i i reverted back to what i um to what i was upon when i was created um so i don't but i don't believe that i'm there's even the slightest chance that i'm wrong i i actually doubt i you know since we are and this is again back into philosophy but i believe that since we are contingent beings um i actually doubt my own existence uh, more than i doubt god's existence i, I don't have the slightest doubt that i'm that i'm um, I could be wrong. Okay, I, I have, I think, six questions that I collected from live chat. Some of the questions that people came in later asked, uh, this is the YouTube live chat, by the way. Uh, yeah. the fa sorry, Facebook live chat people. Uh, I'll try, I try to see, anyways. Um, but um, I need really qu uh, quick responses to this. Uh, if I didn't yes, collect yes. any, if I didn't collect some questions from the live chat, mm -hmm. it's because uh, Muscal is because we already covered it earlier. That's why I didn't yes. put the question there. Anyways, so... First question: What is the what is his justification for Adol 
Adhad, uh, which is an animal slaughter of animals. But anyway, we call, in Iran, we call it Eid Qurban, uh, which right. is an animal slaughter of animals for religious reasons. So really quick responses to these. Well, when we, when, when we slaughter these uh, animals, they're supposed to go to the poor. So this is, this is feeding the poor and it's, giving, um, it's buying an animal for our own wealth that we're giving up money and we're, we're, we're feeding the poor. So I don't really see any, unless someone has ethical um, issues with the slaughter of animals. I, I will say that it, these uh, that uh, uh, the ethics and when it comes to, to the way that um, animals are supposed to be slaughtered are not always followed, and and that's regretful. But that's that's deviating from what is supposed to be, and it's not actually what's supposed to be. Okay. Second question: May you please ask your guest if he thinks Islam is a religion of peace? Well, I, I don't think that's a. a a simplistic thing to say. I mean, I, I think that um, in Islam, the default is peace. Islam, the, the default is that we're supposed to uh, seek peace. But at the same time, if someone tries to rob me and I fight back, then that's not peaceful. But, you know, but at the same, that doesn't mean that um, uh, that the filthy uh, actions of uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and uh, so on are, are justified ever uh, in any way. I, I think that uh, people and nations um, have the right to engage in just war, uh, but it, it, those are those are under under lawful conditions. And I think even probably you would agree that um, violence is justified in some situations. Um, th uh, three. By the way, I'm not dismissing Facebook people. I just haven't figured out a way to put your live chat on the screen. I will figure that out. I'm I, I'm reading your comments, so I'm not dismissing you guys. I love you all. Don't. I. I okay. So. Uh, I love you too. <laughs> um, so if third question, if Islam has been just handed down by scholars, then how do they claim that it it that it hasn't been interpreted even a bit? Well, I I mean uh, we. Islam ha has been interpreted and it has to be interpreted. It, it, it has to be explained to us by people who know the religion and have better knowledge than we do, especially when it comes to those things that are, that are not obvious and clear. So I don't, I don't know who claims that it hasn't been interpreted. I think what they might mean is that it hasn't been changed. And uh, I uh, actually think that, in fact, to the extent that there, to a great extent, uh, the, the proper understanding of this religion has um, been lost among many people or has been distorted among many people. And it's our job as Muslims to recover uh, that proper understanding. Uh, fourth question. By the way, I did. Uh, um, a lot of people are going to be like, why are you not pushing back on this? Because we're running out of time. I just want to make sure we're... Uh, uh, we're reading some of the live chat questions. Uh, question number four, for your guests, what does believing and practicing Islam get you that you couldn't get from being raised Catholic? Uh, uh, I was, oh, it continues. I was raised Catholic, but now I'm an atheist. Right, go on. Um, yeah, I, I, th I believe that the, um, the ethical te teachings of the Bible are, um, you know, uh, nearly in line with the ethical teachings of Islam with, except with respect to certain details. Um, I, I, I think that, um, I think that there are very, very fine, um, uh, even, uh, yeah, I mean, there, I would say with respect to my relations with other human beings, um, all, almost all of us agree in almost every respect, um, with how we're supposed to treat other human beings, um, where our differences are in, in our, our understanding of, of the nature of God. Um, okay, so um, fifth question is, can he not have, actually this is my favorite question, can he not have figured out living in harmony without a book, like without Islam, I think? 
I, I think that's also a very good question. And I think that there are people uh, who can do that. And there are people who are able to live in a society and say, all right, well, society is doing X, Y, Z, but that's clearly wrong because they're um, heart is um, uh, uh, finds that repulsive and repugnant, and they are drawn to to what is good. Um, so uh, I I do um, I do hope that I would have been able to to find that uh, that guidance without it. But what I benefit from this um, the way I benefit from this book is that um, this this Quran and this book is um, what God um, wanted and intended for humanity. Um, to follow and it doesn't leave anything out and it doesn't it doesn't leave um it doesn't leave things to um you know uh it, it doesn't leave anything out in terms of my my code of conduct with with other human beings or in my what i need to know to worship uh, god and follow him uh the last one is actually more of a comment than a question it says if a child grows up without the concept of god he won't believe in god I, I, I think that I, I understand where that question is coming from. And I think that's uh, obviously very debatable. And uh, people have argued about that a, a great deal. I actually happen to believe that a, a person will believe in, in God if they've grown up without being taught that. But Just to be fair to the Facebook, I'm just going to read something from Aaron. Uh, she's saying um, he's saying that he needs this to be good is he saying he's inherently bad without religion are you inherently bad without religion no no i, th I think i was misunderstood I, i'm not saying that i i um you know that i personally would have been a bad person if i hadn't read this book but what i can say is that by um re by reading uh i mean there are people by the way there are people who are born um whose character tends towards uh towards uh, uh being evil you know that's their that's their tendency towards those things and so for those people they have to do a great deal of self um you know of watching themselves very very closely mm -hmm. but at the same time every single one of us is, is born with an inclination uh to 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 do evil just in the same way that we're born with an inherent um you know in, uh, knowledge of what is right actually deep down and so what this book does is what this book does is it reminds us it reminds us um it's one of the names of the of the quran is the reminder it reminds us of what we know to be good and it reminds us of what we know to be bad and so in that way it's a um, it's a reminder and it's a, it's a framework. And, um, for those people who are not inclined, uh, uh to do good, then, then it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, I think it's, um, it's necessary for them, but it's also necessary for us because all of us will tend to stray, um, it, without that reminder. Right. By the way, um, that, that was the last one. I just want to note that a lot of people that joined the chat halfway through, they, they ask which one of us is the Muslim and which one of us is the atheist. And I think it's very interesting because I'm the Iranian Middle Eastern guy that is an atheist and you're the white guy from American that is the Muslim. Uh, so I think we're both breaking stereotypes here. Uh, I would love, I would love to, I would love to meet you one day. And maybe it'll be two Muslims. Uh. Right? Yeah, we'll have not, <laughs> not, well, or maybe two atheists. We don't know, but but the thing is that we, what we're showing is that we don't have to agree to be able to have dialogue and be, That's right. and be able to disagree with each other passionately disagree with each other like we don't uh, we don't see eye to eye on many things uh, and we are very much I mean I would say I'm fighting Islam um, I am fighting Islam and it's an idea and I think you would uh, it would be fair for you to say that you're fighting atheism right I, I uh, think that what you're fighting is uh, a misunderstanding of, of Islam yeah so. but my understanding is that I'm fighting Islam okay so okay. But, right. but but what I'm but I'm what I'm saying is that we it doesn't we can be 
passionately fighting each other's ideas and still be able to have a dialogue and have a conversation and be friendly Absol to each and even get along. Yeah, go on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would say that, um, first of all, let me say this very clearly that any Muslim who has ever, or was thinking about ever sending you some sort of threat or even uh, God forbid acting on it, uh, you're wrong for that. Um, you need to, uh, you need to check yourself. You need to understand your religion better. Um, so I say, I say to you that, um, this is, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have, come on your show. I'm grateful for your hospitality and for your, um, for your respect and, and politeness and, you know, right. And, and, and I, and I also want to give you credit for actually uh, coming and talking to people that you disagree with coming at people that are the exact opposite of where your position is. And, yes. you know, a lot of people, um, have this idea that you can't talk to Muslims because they don't want to talk to you. But if you criticize them, I think like, you know, they're no, a lot of them are not, it's not like that, that sensitive, like they can handle a criticism. They can well, handle unfortunately, unfortunately, there are, there are many Muslims who can't handle that. And I, I think that's, a, that's another way in which they misunderstand their religion right. they need to people need people need to be able to um you know to to handle the fact that there are people who don't understand them who don't agree with them and that's life you know they need to be able to handle that and stop being uh, so sensitive right so uh, and another thing is that e the point of this conversation is that even if if we move away and you did not change my opinion on a single thing and if I don't, didn't change your opinion on a single thing, uh, this is still not a loss because I think the main, the number, the first goal of these conversations is to demonstrate how far apart ideologically two people can be and and still befriend each other, right? And still, I, I still agree, get along. I agree with that. Yeah. And if I and agree. if we could finish, like if we could have a conversation in a friendly way and be civilized about it, I think that demonstration by itself has achieved the goal, has shown to people that look, we can we could still fight each other's ideas. The more the more we fight each other's ide ideas, the less we are fighting each other personally. Right. I agree. I agree 100 percent. All right. Well, and that we yeah. agree. Anyways, thank you so much for being here and thank you for everybody in the live chat. Where can people find your work and your book and uh, follow, read your articles and stuff? like? I almost forgot about that. I almost. Yeah. Forgot. So so you can see my uh, Twitter handle there. I've actually now retired from uh, Twitter, <laughs> but, uh, but the links are but there. I'm, yeah. Yeah. But I'm leaving but I'm leaving the, uh, the account up so anyone can go to that. And um, I also have a blog blog a good tree.net that's a g o o d t r e e.net that has a collection of all my writings going back to maybe 2002 not all my writings but i filtered out the ones that i don't agree with anymore that's a <laughs> so good anyway. a good tree.com or dot dot net dot net a good tree dot net okay uh yeah and your book was again uh the uh, book is uh Pakistan's, Pakistan's blasphemy law and non-Muslims and non-Muslims, but is and the, the link there and the link to that can be found on my blog, goodtree.net. Okay, okay. So, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll put a link in the description. Once this live chat is over, I'll put a link in the description to your blog as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you very much. Anyway, thank you everybody. Thank you, uh, and stop streaming. Bye, guys. Thank you, listeners. Appreciate Bye. it.